Hey there. Welcome to The Review, the Instagram Live podcast where Kendama news and culture is shared over the warmth of coffee. My name is Adam, but my followers know me as Cafe Kendama on Instagram. In the past five years of playing Kendama, I've met quite a few amazing individuals, and I'm excited to introduce you to some of them. In this show, you'll hear their stories, the behind the scenes of Kendama companies, and what goes on in the minds of some of the world's best Kendama players, because Kendama is more than just a ball in a cup. So, make sure your cup is full, and let's dive into this week's review. Good morning, and welcome to Season 2 of The Review. In this week's episode, we are diving into a wonderful conversation with Kristen Olenek from Terra Kendama as we talk about influence, and influence particularly in the Kendama world. I think there's an underlying belief in this community that you need to be big, you need to have lots of followers, and you need to be sponsored to have an impact in this space. And fundamentally, I don't believe that to be true, and I'm super excited to bring Kristen on here to get her insight into the matter, as Kristen has played quite an incredible role in building up the Kendama community without having to have a big face in the community. Kristen is the chief designer and the co-owner of Terra Kendama, one of my favorite brands based out of Vancouver, Canada, originally out of Calgary, or not Calgary, Edmonton, uh, my, my home province. And I'm just genuinely very excited to dive into this conversation that I think is so important for people to grasp. And ultimately, I hope that at the end of this conversation that we all come to a better understanding of what it means to have influence and how we can all be contributing to the growth of this space together, regardless of how big of a platform we have, regardless of the voice that we have, regardless of the tools and the skill sets and all the things that we think we need to be able to make an impact in this world of Kendama. So that is what I'm super excited for today. We're going to be diving in here shortly. But before we do, as always, guys, you know that I love to know what you are drinking this morning. I brewed a fresh cup of AeroPress. It was a... No, what did I order? It was a Rwandan. A Rwandan coffee that I just picked up this morning from Euphoria Coffee, which is a little little coffee shop near where I live. Uh, And admittedly, it was was a bit of an odd experience. I went to go pick up a cappuccino this morning because I ran out of coffee. And I wanted to pick one up and pick up a bag. Uh, And so I go there and I'm like, I'm chipper. I'm a little grumpy because I haven't picked up my coffee. It's like 9 a.m. I roll in and the buddy who's working there, I like walk in and I'm I'm videoing myself coming in. I'm trying to give them a little promo, a little feature. And so I put up a little euphoria on my story. And buddy, (laughs) I think he saw that and he thought I was just another trolling influencer on Instagram. And he definitely gave me a like, Oh yeah, what do you what what kind of coffee you want? And gave me a <laughs> I don't know if he was new or if he was grumpy, but definitely didn't think I knew anything about coffee. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'd love a traditional cappuccino, and I'm gonna pick up a bag of beans. He's like, oh yeah, what do you want some dark roast beans and stuff? I was like, dude, I'm coming to a third wave coffee shop. No one's getting dark roast here. Come on, don't troll me like this. Don't troll me. <laughs> Anyways. It was a bitter experience. We all needed a little cup of coffee before that. Uh, Before we dive in, a couple things I wanted to say. Uh, First off, I wanted to say that I'm very thrilled to announce that I made it to the semifinals of the No Pro Open. I normally don't like to talk about these things, but I was really happy to, to perform as well as I did this weekend in the No Pro Open. I came fourth overall, I made it to the semifinals and lost to two incredible Kendama players, Elijah Lane and Onishi, 
And congratulations to Peter, who ultimately took first place in the competition. It was quite a fun experience for me. I definitely did not expect to do as well as I did, and I'm just happy to put on for Canada and for the coffee gang. Uh, thank you so much to all of you guys who showed up and supported me in the journey. I went into the chat after my matches, and I just saw all the love in there, and I am so grateful for all of you guys. Uh, secondly, I wanted to say that next week is a really special week for the Brevue. Next week is the one-year anniversary of this show. It means that we've been doing this show for about 52 episodes. It's been a full year of caffeinated conversations where we talk to your favorite influencers, brand owners, and Konama players over the warmth of coffee, and we really dive into these behind-the-scenes, behind-the-ken stories. And so there's going to be something a little special. If you are, uh, um, if you are a Patreon which costs you $5 a month American to get behind the scenes access, you're actually going to get some content early. We recorded a really special episode of the review for next week ahead of time. It's not going to be live and it's only going to be available on Patreon for the first week. And it's going to be live this upcoming weekend. There's no live recording going on. There's not going to be a recorded episode this upcoming weekend and it will only be available on Patreon and it's in a video format and will also come in uh, audio format there. So that's going to be coming up this weekend. It will be made publicly available the week after, but I'm going to be taking a week off from review afterwards to just rest, recoup, and reset for the new year of review or the second anniversary or moving into the second year. Anyways, there's going to be a lot more to say, and I just wanted to say a humble thank you to all of you who have supported the review so far. We have surpassed over 50,000 in total views, listens, watches, downloads of this show in a year, which is absolutely astronomical. And there are some really cool things coming up this next week. Not only is there a special episode of The Review coming, but we're going to be doing a big giveaway. And I want to leak a little bit of the details, but I want to be a little bit sus about it too, because I think it's really fun. There's going to be an epic giveaway next week regarding the celebration of the one-year anniversary of Review. It for sure is going to be including one of these mugs. It's going to be including a bag of coffee from one of my favorite coffee roasters. It may or may not include a Kendama that is associated with Kendama or with coffee, and it is also a sponsored giveaway from a really big brand that I am incredibly stoked about. And it is not a Kanama brand. And I had no expectations when I reached out to this company about sponsoring this giveaway. And they were pumped. They were stoked and they are a part of it. And I can't wait to tell you. The Patreon members already know because I shared about it on my story. So if you want to know early and get an insight into the giveaway, subscribe on the Patreon and support the show. With all that said, uh, last thing I want to say is we are about to dive into this conversation and if you have any questions that you would like to ask Kristen today as we dive into Kanama Design, Influence, Terra Kanama, Vancouver, the Canadian Kanama scene and all of that goodness, drop those down in the Q&A tool below and we will be diving into your questions in today's episode. So without further ado, let's get Kristen on here and let's dive into this week's episode of The Brew View. You guys could join me by tapping that heart button down below as we welcome Kristen onto the show. Hi. Kristen, <laughs> welcome here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it is my privilege and my pleasure. How are you doing today? Good. You know, morning, just relaxing. <laughs> are you at the Terra shop or what? what is this? What no, is this... This is our apartment. <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys got a forest in there. What's going on there? Oh yeah, no, I could literally point to any corner in this place and you'd <laughs> find a plant of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a few plants in my room, but they're all fake because I am oh, yeah. a terrible, what is it, botanist? Is is that what it's called? Uh, someone who looks yeah, after plants? Horticulturist maybe? Hort horticulturist, or yeah. Botanist, what I, yeah. 
whatever it's called i'm bad at it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah this one is actually uh thanks to alex one of our neighbors was moving out and noticed that we had a ton of plants and was talking to him and he's like you want a corn plant like it's been alive for like 41 years like have it and we just got that's that's been alive for 41 years apparently yeah (laughs) that's insane and we kind of just adopted it like maybe a month ago so that's crazy i okay so i love plants but and i and i like i long okay so here's the thing here's a little selfish selfish thing in my life i would long Mm -hmm. to marry someone who is a plant person (laughs) that would be more than willing to look after them because i love plants like i Mm -hmm. I truly do i love the benefits and the effects and the mood boosting properties of just having better oxygenation in your house yeah like that that's huge for me but i kill plants like crazy my mom got me a christmas <laughs> cactus like do you know what a christmas cactus is yep yeah, yeah. Okay, my so mom, my mom... Had a ton of them yeah right right, right. <laughs> and they don't die right they're they're no. pretty hard to kill i killed mm-hmm. one within a month and oh, and like wow. my mom gave it to me and she's like come on adam this one's easy this one's not even hard <laughs> and, and it it was hard <laughs> yeah yeah no i never had a chance my mom when i tell my mom about how many plants i have here she's like oh and when i was in like second year like college i had 41 plants or something in one room i was like oh, oh my yeah. gosh no i never had a chance i i am a plant person i love it <laughs> i know i i gotta get into it I, I i have a feeling that there's probably a good overlap if you were to take a venn diagram of people that play kanama <laughs> and people that are plant people and there's probably a pretty good population in there that are kanama players and plant people that's just my guess i i like see that like you know kind of like organic culture in kanama of people <clears throat> sorry one second <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, coffee went down the wrong way. Yeah. Coffee's yeah. hitting hard today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually, let's dive, in, let's dive in here. What are, what are you yeah. drinking this morning? I am drinking, sorry, whew, some coffee that uh, Alex's parents actually gave us from Edmonton. I don't know. I have no idea what this uh, coffee roaster is, but Catfish. Okay, roaster. that's from Edmonton? Yeah, yeah, from Edmonton. Oh, yeah, no way. They, they sent it to us. So it's the first time I'm trying it, and it's really good. I, I, I have all the gear for a coffee snob but i know very little about coffee so <laughs> what, what uh, kind of gear do you have uh i have a chemex Ooh. alex got that for uh for my birthday actually this year so yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome uh have you have you tried doing an iced chemex yet no i haven't i have no idea how to do that <laughs> okay super super easy uh do yeah. you want do you want the quick breakdown dama or death sure. uh, actually gave me the best recipe i've ever used for mm-hmm. making iced chemex and this is this is the short recipe for making it for two people. So yeah. you and Alex, if you, you want to make some ice pour over together, mm-hmm. this is how you do it. You take 450 grams of ice, you put it mm-hmm. in the Chemex, and then you're going to grind up 60 grams of coffee. So 60 grams of beans. And you want them like kind mm-hmm. of a medium fine, probably what you would normally be grinding anyways, or if you get a pre-ground, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take 60 grams, you're going to put that in your filter, and then you're going to do 450 grams in total of water into the top. So 450 grams of ice, 450 grams of water, and then 60 grams of beans and mm-hmm. hot water. Yeah. Uh, so bring that to you know just below boiling, 98 degrees, 96 degrees, or thereabouts. And you're going to do a little bloom, 100 grams mm-hmm. of water in, bloom it for 30 seconds, and then you're going to do a couple pours to reach up to that 450. Do like 100 okay. grams at a time until you hit 450. It should take about five to seven minutes, but I've been doing mm-hmm. this like at least once every like two or three days. The best iced Chemex recipe right. I've ever had in my life. Big shout outs to Dama or Death on IG for teaching me that one. Yeah, that's amazing. I am definitely going to have to try that because, yeah, I've been very much experimenting with the Chemex. I know very little about it, but it's amazing coffee. I actually just yes. finally got paper filters again because like, you know, oh. like everything paper filters were like, yeah. you know, more like rare than gold. 
So I, it was uh, ridiculous. Yeah. I was talking about that a couple <laughs> months back on the show yeah. where, where <laughs> I was going through a chemics crisis because I, I had no filters. I ran yeah. out and you couldn't buy them anywhere. No, and, I, I had to buy a metal like Kona filter. I think yeah, it was. yeah. Yeah. So I bought that one and I, I used that for like a few months and it was great. It's just, it's not the same as paper filters. So I know. yesterday I finally got some and I was like, oh man, I, I was missing this. Yeah, yeah. It, it was crazy. I It was like one of those like first world privilege things that I realized totally. that I was so dependent on. I was like, dang, yeah. I don't have any filters and I can't go buy any. Because all of the, the paper manufacturers converted into making toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome. Uh, oh, that's so yeah. cool. Okay, so Kristen, I, mm -hmm. I like to ask three questions. Usually before we get started, I always ask, what are you drinking today? But the second one I always want to know is if you could go back or in time or today, teach anyone their first spike, past or present, oh. alive or dead, who would it be? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... Mm. I'm trying to think of some really influential woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Do you think oh, Mich man. Michelle Obama has touched a Canada? I Actually, oddly enough, I don't know why. We're both Canadian, and of course, the first person we thought of was Michelle Obama. <laughs> she's, like, she's like the power woman that everybody yeah. knows. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess in, in lieu of someone else, for sure. Yeah, like okay. Michelle Obama. Let's do that. Some very okay. influential woman who like could see the potential to just like for, for Kendama and to spread it to, to more people. And yeah. There she wrote a book about it too, and it would she be would, a New yeah. York Times bestseller. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you, yeah. do you think she'd be good at Kanama? Like, just like innately looking at Michelle Obama, do you think she'd be a shredder? Uh, I have no idea, but she could. <laughs> she could. I, I feel she like could. she's got it. I think she could. I, you know, she, she's got some style. I think she could pull it off. She'd totally. be, I think she'd get into the flow style of Kanama. She'd yeah. be old school OG flow. I yeah, can see it happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I want to know uh, for you today, uh, Kristen, who is the most inspiring player today? Not of all time, but just like right now in this moment of history. For me? Um, yeah, for you. Honestly, uh, I actually had a couple. Pro mm. Kendama Fufu is like really blowing mm. my mind these days. I... Like, not necessarily because they're doing insanely difficult tricks, but they, you know, as a designer and as someone who really appreciates art, like, they are creating art with Kendama. And I think that's incredible. So, uh, yeah, no, the, everything that I've seen of theirs is, like, just blows my mind and is so inspiring to me. So, yeah, mm. I pick them. Do you, okay, I, I know they go by Kendama Fufu, but mm -hmm. do you know their actual names, like, individually? Uh, I actually just looked at their Instagram last night. I think it's, I, I could really be wrong here, but Mia and Taco maybe. Um, I know okay. that it has that on their profile. So I don't actually know. I haven't interacted with them at all. So I don't actually know. But um, yeah, yeah they're, they're, I, I would assume if that's on their profile, that's those are their names. Yeah, yeah, they're like hidden gems in the community because mm -hmm. I, I think in a unique way, they have so much clout because of what they do. But yeah. they're not people that people know they're just like doing this content mm -hmm. out there that everybody appreciates and values and it's so wonderful beautiful it's brilliantly put together but i feel yeah. like no one actually knows them like yeah. personally <laughs> except maybe the people around rice them does. And, yeah 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 obviously matt rice does and, and i'm sure he was stoked to see all the content they were putting yeah. out because that was a huge lift for for deal with it obviously it was so cool mm -hmm. watching their uh their christmas uh series where they were yeah. doing the the uh, 
what did they call it? They had a series name for it, but it was wonderful. Um, People should go back and watch it. I don't it. remember. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. No, honestly. Rice also has like just a knack for picking incredible like Kendama players that I'm just so inspired by. Because another one is Kozarov. Like yes. Steph will laugh at me if she sees this because every single time I just like, I love, I'm, I fangirl so hard with Kozarov. It's like the one time <laughs> ever that I fangirl. But yeah, no, she's, she's amazing. Just like it's performance art and I love it. And like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. Well, hey, Kristen, I am super excited to have you on The Preview. Mm -hmm. I've been wanting to get you on for a little bit. And we had a little chat beforehand about, you know, what, what we wanted to talk about in getting you on here. And, and ultimately, I want to dive into a deep conversation a little bit later into mm -hmm. what influences, especially in the Kanama community, because I, I have this underlying belief, and I think you and I shared this, is that you don't need to have a big platform or a big face in Kanama or be the best at the tricks or whatever to actually have an impact in this space mm -hmm. that yeah. you can go ahead and make a wave in this community without needing to have 2000 plus followers and winning comps and all these things. And I think that mm -hmm. so many people can learn from that mentality. And then we, if ultimately, I think that if we as a community can adopt that mentality, we're going to see so much more growth. We're going to see yeah. a lot more empowerment in the space. More mm -hmm. people are going to step up to the plate. We're going to see more stuff happen. Honestly, if I had the mindset that I needed to be this big name to start this platform called The Review, I never would have started it. This yeah. wouldn't have happened. And now I'm, I'm just grateful for where it is. And so I want to get into your mindset as well, because you have had a huge impact in the community uh, through the All Girls Kanama Open, through your role at Terra Kanama, and just in the community in general, you have played an incredible role in empowering so many people's lives. And I've seen that even in the comments mm. that came out on the post when I posted this <laughs> of all these influential people that I see that admire you so much. And so I want to really dive into that today. But oh, before you. we get into that, <laughs> uh, I want to know more about you. Where are you from? Like you aren't from Vancouver originally, right? No, I'm also from Edmonton. Alex and I are both from Edmonton. Yeah, Alberta. <laughs> Alberta pride. <laughs> Okay, so you're Edmonton born, born and raised? Yep, yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, How long did you live there for? You moved to Van, what, a couple years back? Uh, I actually moved to Calgary first. I oh. was, um, yeah, I lived in Edmonton for most of my life. I went to school, um, like university there. I also went to university in a lot of other places. But um, yeah, so I, it was probably in 2010, so I would have been 20. Um, I moved to Calgary for two years to finished my degree at ACAD actually um, on state. So yeah. I lived, yeah, I lived there for a couple of years. Uh, and then after that, I moved to Vancouver to do a master's program here. So that was in 2012. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was doing yeah. a little skim through your profile and I found it a little ways down. You were doing a master's in architecture, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you're UBC. finished now. Yes, I am. Yeah, I have been. Oh. Uh, I graduated in 2017 so it's, uh, wow it's been five years whole, almost five years now. yeah that's crazy that's incredible Doesn't so you, feel did, that long. <laughs> you just finished your not just finished but in 2017 you finished your master's yeah. in architecture before that you did an, uh, your uh, degree in, in yeah in Edmonton it was a diploma in like um, design and photography like technical design like commercial design and photography and then ACAD, I transferred and finished my Bachelor of Design, um, also in photography, but with more of a fine arts like focus. So, yeah. What, what does that mean uh, in terms of like the fine arts side of that? Uh, it's a lot more like, you know, uh, the, the technical um, 
degree was more like actually technically like learning about like light properties and commercial design and like learning like programs and physically how to like you know run like a a like a press file to like a printing company and stuff mm -hmm. um the acad was a lot more conceptual um it was a lot more like concept like idea creation and like communication of like how do we communicate art it was very much art instead of uh instead of design even though it was it was a bachelor of design so um interesting very different focuses yeah yeah totally that's super cool so how did you get into design in the first place like where did that where did that kick start for you oh man i kind of always loved it um as a kid like I, I actually always really wanted to be an architect as a kid. Uh, I had Lego as, and I would just build houses and movie theaters <laughs> and swimming pools and stuff with Lego. And uh, and then one, I, I met like a family friend who was an architect and he told me like the worst thing possible when I was like 10 years old. He's like, oh, all you do is paperwork. And I was like, oh, what? no, that's not what you tell a 10 year old when they want to no. be an architect. So I'd like kind of like abandoned that idea for a little while. And uh, my parents just thought I was going to go into sciences at in university. I was like, you know, doing full sciences, calculus, all of that in, um, mm -hmm. in high school. And then I just, I realized I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I love design. I love being creative. And I told my mom like, you know, halfway through grade 12 that I was like, I'm going to, I want to do photography. I want to like get a, a degree in photography and I could just tell my mom tried to be very stoic but I could tell that she was just like her jaw like hit the floor being like, Ooh, hmm. are you sure okay yeah let's do it and uh and then halfway into my first year she immediately said like yes like 100 percent you this is absolutely like where you needed to be um and then I at the end of my degree when I I thought I was just like going sideways when I decided I wanted to do a master's in architecture and I turned to my mom expecting the same sort of reaction and she just went no yeah of course like mm. I, I knew you were gonna do this I knew you were gonna continue it's like you just had to like get on that path so uh yeah design's kind of always been in in my life I've always loved it um yeah I, I can't imagine doing anything else so yeah was that hard for you not you know when when your mom wasn't necessarily super supportive at first what was that I, like she 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 was supportive but i okay. could tell that she i mean she and my stepdad are both in in medicine like she is right. a phd nurse she's the dean of like nursing at u of a um my stepdad was like you know an emergency physician they were both in health sciences and so i could tell that they they both like had a had a soft spot for that and we're like oh it'd be great if you know Kristen's so good at science like she could she could go into health sciences so I could tell that like that's what they they you know kind of wanted but my mom has always told me like you can do anything you want like I will support mm -hmm. you in that so I, I knew that she would say that like when I when I went to her but I could tell that she was a little bit reserved of like okay well let's see where this goes kind of thing. yeah the, the classic parent so, just like wanting the best for their kid in terms of like yeah. we want we want to make sure our kid is like financially equipped yeah. to, to live in the world <laughs> after they move out mm -hmm. and and there's this like classic misconception that if you go into like a fine arts or liberal arts or just mm -hmm. whatever degree that like you're just destined to not make money yeah <laughs> yeah it's like sorry mm -hmm. yeah let's uh, yeah. let's take 60 grand out of your bank account for the next exactly. couple of years and then uh and then you know, you're gonna get none of it back <laughs> right i know yeah so i definitely um 
I, it, it was, you know, as much as I knew that she, she would support me 100%, mm -hmm. it was very validating, like, you know, a, even just a few months into my first year to have her say like, yes, hun like I, this, you know, if I ever had doubts, I don't have them now. This is like where you're meant to be. Yeah. So, yeah. So at that point in time, did you have a physical outlet for your design, uh, you know, desires outside of school? Because obviously you were into design and you were mm -hmm. into art and the fine arts and all those things. Uh, did you have an outlet or event where you were exercising that? Was Tara already existent in your life or were there other uh, things? Yeah, I mean, when I when I first started university, we hadn't, um, when did we, we, we found Kendama, I found Kendama like right around the time that Alex did because, you know, we were dating, we were together. Mm -hmm. And um, so that would have been, we would have been like 18 or 19. So I would have been in like university for about a year at that point. Um, but yeah, Tara really was kind of the, the or, or just Kendama in general, even before Tara, it was Kendama Edmonton. Um, that really was like, a huge outlet of like design um, for mm -hmm. me. Before that, I had I had other projects, but nothing I honestly nothing I can even really remember at this point. So it wasn't that significant. Um, but yeah, like Kendama first the UKA the University Kendama Association, which I think Alex yeah. kind of talked about. Yeah, he yeah. did. He started his own club. Like on yeah. campus, were you a part of starting that? Uh, I wasn't like I didn't. Started. It was him and Ben, but I definitely like helped like put on the contest that they had, and I filmed. There's we actually Alex and I just watched it again last night. There's a couple of videos from those like contests that I filmed, and like you know, so yeah. I was I was around for it for sure. Yeah, the, he even put out a booklet um, that was kind of like you know, is good for your health, and like with like some tricks and stuff that I helped. I took photos and like helped him lay it out because of course I was in design school, so like any sort of like real world application for design I was like jumped on it so yeah, that, yeah. like and then Kendama Edmonton all those videos uh pretty much from like edit seven onwards um yeah I filmed like helped film all of those and put them together like Alex and I would like collab on editing them and yeah so that was uh -huh. that was probably a, one of the biggest like first real outlets for design where I could see my design like taking form and actually like living in like the real world and in some you know tangible way mm -hmm. so and that's a different type of validation too like i know that mm -hmm. when you're in school and okay so you create a business plan or whatever you're like degree yeah. that you're doing and you do an assignment and you get a grade back on it there's a sense of validation there but when you mm -hmm. actually put something out into the like the quote unquote real world yeah. and then real customers or real people are giving you feedback and they're like, this is dope. This is sick. This is whatever. Like that's yeah. a different kind of validation that Definitely. feels so cool. Yeah. And so you, you got to play a role in the Kanama Edmonton. So hold on, let me geek mm -hmm. out for like one second. Yeah. The Kanama Edmonton crew <laughs> is back and it's alive and it's thriving. That, and there's I know. a whole new generation that's there amazing. and it's so cool. Yeah. It's amazing <laughs> I, to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know any of the people that are still uh, like up and active there? Like, uh, uh, there's Ray Bulato and Thomas oh, Boyvin yeah. and Ray Bulato. I definitely recognize that. name. I don't actually know if I've met him, but I, I definitely recognize the name like for sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. those guys are back at it again. And they're mm -hmm. playing, they were breakdance. They are breakdancers. Oh, so yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. like, uh, dude, and their style is so sick. They got like the classic OG Dave Mateo style flow. Yes. You name it. Uh, Lachlan down in the chat, actually, he's a Kendama Edmonton shredder as well. Uh, <laughs> he has been popping off. Like he has gained so much confidence in his play that I've seen recently. Mm -hmm. Like the Kendama Edmonton, hold, let me just like 
Shout out to the Alberta squad right now because it's 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 elevating. It's definitely yeah. like coming back to life. I That's think amazing. you know I'm, I'm proud to say I've played a little role in helping rebuild the Calgary <laughs> scene and the Edmonton scene, and I'm just so excited. Mm -hmm. It's so fun to see it come back to life because I remember yeah. when I started playing, uh, I was in Saskatchewan when I first started playing Kanama, and I had mm -hmm. seen what was happening in Alberta, and I felt like I was missing out because yeah. this is where everybody was in Canada, outside of maybe Ontario and Vancouver. And I was just mm -hmm. alone and I saw all of this stuff happening <laughs> and I was like, Alex Smith. And, and I, at this point, I didn't even know who you were and we're gonna get into that because you actually mm -hmm. played such a pivotal role in developing Tara and Alex and all of these people that are you know, the quote unquote influencers of this space. <laughs> but you, you were really a part of that the whole time. And, and it's just, it was just something humbling now for me to be a part of. And I, I'm just curious, you know, yeah. are, are you proud of where it is today and like being a part of that? Yeah, honestly, like, again, like kind of prepping for this, just going back over like all of that. Um, Alex and I watched all of the Kanama Edmonton edits like from le last night. And uh, where, where it was are just they? So, Sorry, just... um, it, on YouTube, it's a Kanama Edmonton, like is the channel or whatever. Okay. So they're not uh, they're not on Terra's. But yeah, so if you search Kandama Edmonton on YouTube, they pop up. And uh, they were so just nostalgic, because it was, it was really like taking it back to a time like, I didn't realize until last night again that uh we filmed like four or five of those in one summer i was like how did we have this much time and i was like oh wait we were like university students like you know on summer vacation with nothing else to do it's like this is what how we filmed that many in one summer and uh they were just so nostalgic and like wonderful it was a, it was a really great era of kendama for me personally because it was just so like new and exploratory and a, a great creative outlet where I was, you know, I was learning all of these like new design ideas in school and actually getting to like put them into use, like in, you know, mm -hmm. a silly creative way. And yeah, it was, it was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, looking back at that time, you know, when, when I was in uh, college and I think when most people look back when they're in like high school or college and university, it's like, you don't realize how much free time you actually have to put into yeah. these other side projects that when you finally like go into working full time and you got your mm -hmm. bills and whatever, it's like, oh man, filming and edit's kind of scary now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was also just such a like euphoric sense of new back then yeah, where it was definitely. something new. And obviously you experienced that, you were creating designs and it was just something that had momentum behind it and you were a part mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. and, and you got to exercise a lot of stuff. And so yeah, talk, talk me through a little bit of the development, both in your personal life in that university college scene and uh, mm -hmm. Kanama Edmonton and your design. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, a lot of it, like, really, like, Kanama Edmonton, it was just kind of like, this is a fun, like, outlet, like, whatever. That I, I didn't really think that it was, at the time, I didn't think it was that connected to design, but it obviously is. And in retrospect, I, I recognize that. Um, it was more when, like, Kara started, like, forming because that was probably that was in like 2011 I would have been in like third year at uh, McEwen so I was kind of like and you know I, I'd been in like design for a couple of years like in actual like school well, um, well, wait so you went you went to Grant McEwen what years did yeah. you go there uh 2007 to 10 but I was at the I was at the arts campus, so we were they cloistered us all away from everyone else. <laughs> so we're just like, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I almost went to Grant McEwen. I got a scholarship really? to go there for nice. their cross country team. I did oh, not nice. want to do cross country. Uh, yeah. Like I, I was I was decent at it, but I like didn't actually love running, <laughs> so I never ended up going. But I almost mm -hmm. went there. I was like, oh, maybe I would have overlapped a little bit, and I could have been a yeah. part of the Kanama Edmonton story. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah. not quite. I went, I would have gone just a couple years after. Mm, yeah. Anyways, sorry. Yeah, no. And, uh, but it was more when like, yeah, Tara was starting to form, like Alex and Ben were like putting it together and they were talking about, you know, oh, we played Kinama for a few years. We can start to, to make these and everything. And they were just figuring it out as they go, as we all do. And, uh, and I remember they were trying to figure out how to like put a website together and how are we going to sell these online and like, how are we going to take photos? And at the same time, I'm like, you know, right there having like taking web design classes and like ha getting a degree in photography. And I was like, no, 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 like step aside, step aside, let me handle this kind of thing. So it was like very much like a, I just, you know, we were figuring it out as we went, but um, just, yeah, like use it like really good timing, odd, oddly enough, just because uh, I was going through all this in school and learning it. And it was like so fresh in my mind that it was a, it was a great outlet. So, yeah, mm -hmm. design school really pushes you and tests like your your idea about like absolutely every object and everything around you. So it's like, I don't know, I, I kind of like equate it to like when I see like, you know, skaters saying that like everything they see is a handrail. When you're in design school, like everything you see is like an object or or something that was made by another human being that you know like that can be analyzed and interesting and and discussed and and critiqued and figured out and like a lot of the time really good design is invisible like people don't notice yeah. it until it goes wrong <laughs> until it's bad um, but uh, design school really taught me to to notice the good design, the design that's invisible, that's like, you know, right at your fingertips, like honestly, like a Chemex, like it's so minimal mm -hmm. and it's so like, well, it's so utilitarian. And, yeah, it's the little yeah, subtleties, beautiful. like on a Chemex, it has like that little like nipple thing on it, yeah. at the little bump and that's in yeah. intentional so that it holds its integrity. And mm -hmm. like it aesthetically, yeah. sure it fits there, but like everything, everything comes together and pulls a, a yeah. full picture of how everything looks. Mm -hmm. And design is so important. Uh, one, one of the, so I, I'm like big into digital marketing and e-commerce and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was recently in uh, an e-commerce like conference online thing, watching stuff. And they were talking about UX design, like user yeah. experience on websites and all these sorts of things and how important that stuff is. And sometimes you're like, as a mindset of like an e-commerce, like digital marketer, you're like, okay, if I just have a great <laughs> product and I have the right price and like it, the rest of it doesn't really matter because it's yeah. fine. It'll, it'll just sell because <laughs> it's what people want. But mm -hmm. your user experience and like your load times and all these things, the little subtleties that play really background matters. noise to the front end mm -hmm. are actually the things that matter so much because it can change your conversion rate from, you know, we only convert 1% of every, every 100 people, only one person buys to you just mm -hmm. update your design and you fix that. Now, all of a sudden, you're selling to yeah. five people out of every 100 and now you're way more profitable and you didn't have to, you know, focus on cutting your costs or anything. It was just design. Mm -hmm. It was just how it looks. Yeah, and so uh, like a good example of that too, that's, you know, kind of relates to Kendama, but also everything is um, packaging is like, you know, something that I've like thought about for a long time. And I, I'm obviously not the first person to think about this, but uh, is, you know, packaging, like, I mean, actually Apple is probably one of the best companies I've ever seen for this is the user experience of just mm -hmm. how do you open the box? Like, you know, just literally opening the box and the products right there. Yeah. It's not like some blister pack that you have to like find scissors and like you cut your mm -hmm. finger when you're opening it up. It's like that experience is really important um, as well. That like, like airtight you know. pop of the box yeah. when you're lifting up your every yeah. all the of that whole, is the so whole, yeah. 
what, what's the process of, of that is, is really important. And also just like, what do you do with the packaging afterwards? Like, do you hold on to it? Do you just immediately toss it out? Like, you know, that like design is so much more than just like the one product that you're, uh, that you're hoping to sell. It's like the entire like lifetime of that product. It's the entire lifetime of the experience of buying it and engaging with it. Yeah, it's really important. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking about it. I have a, an, my old Apple phone case and I mm -hmm. use that to hold all of my like string repairs, old yeah. stickers, extra strings and stuff. It's because yeah. it's such a like, I don't know, like the aesthetics of the box itself, itself has value to it. And A, mm -hmm. if you try to sell an iPhone without a box later, your value goes like... <laughs> Yeah. Everybody, everybody, yeah. <laughs> people in the chat, they're like Adam frantically looking for the box. I am because it's, it's somewhere around me. I just don't know where. I think it's in my drawer over there. But no, seriously, design is so cool. And I see that even in coffee. I, I, yeah. I'm sure that a lot of my favorite coffee brands don't necessarily taste that much better than another <laughs> brand. But the design and the aesthetics of how I receive the, the coffee, whether mm -hmm. it comes from a website that's been really aesthetically designed that leads me to buy their product and sign up for yeah. their subscription and then ultimately arriving in this beautiful package and I pop it open and the way that the bag's designed and the whole experience to the moment that I finally pour my mm -hmm. cup and take a sip. I now have an entire layer of subconscious that's on top of my cup of coffee <laughs> yeah. that is elevating how it tastes, even though yeah. the actual taste isn't any better or worse <laughs> of the product, but because of everything else, I've experienced it so much better. And design, mm -hmm. that, that's design, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I geek out, on, I geek out, on, oh my gosh, I can't talk. I geek out on this <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm curious then, you, mm -hmm. you were the one who originally designed the Tarek and Nama website, right? Yes, yes. Talk to me I about still your- do. I still do, I still work on it. It's like, it's never finished. It's always like being updated. So yes, I still do it, yeah. Always a work in progress. <laughs> Let me first yeah. off say, I think the Tarek and Nama website is probably one of the best websites in oh, the Kanama community you. in terms of like the aesthetics and the design and the, you know, like it, it's, it's actually been designed by someone who's designing. <laughs> You know, you can even see it on the on the custom page where it's like create your own Dama. That page in particular, I think, is really, mm -hmm. really well done from a designer's perspective. I Thank think you, you guys have yeah. a very good design in the Kanama community for sure. Uh, with that said, though, talk mm -hmm. to me about that journey of developing the website because you were getting into this in like 2010-ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, man, like our... Our first website was a big cartel and it was bad. It was horrible. So, you know, like you, we all have to start from somewhere too. So, um, yeah. yeah. What was that experience like creating the first <laughs> website as like a, a new designer, you're oh, in school, you're just learning this for your first time. Actually, um, more, more hilarious were, were uh, like, you know, taking and editing the photos of the very first Tarek and Namas that we were releasing when Alex decided that, sorry, one second. Alex, I can hear, yeah, sorry. He's listening to it over there and I can hear it and I can hear my own voice. Sorry, anyway, That's so um, we were, uh, yeah, so he had like the first, I don't know, 10 kendamas or something that he wanted to put online and like put up for sale. And he announced that they were gonna be at say 1 p.m. I don't remember when it was exactly, <laughs> but he told me the equivalent of like at noon that we needed photos of them ready and edited. And I'm like, Oh, okay so like just like mad dash like taking photos and like processing them and trying to get them up online is like it's 101 p.m and everyone is like <laughs> where are they they're not where are the like, photos yeah so like yeah the, the first the first website the first like photos all that the, not perfect and they you know they don't need to be but like yes we were quite literally figuring this out as we went along <laughs> 
long. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the a few of the drops after that got a little bit smoother and a little bit smoother. But uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's always like a learning process. <laughs> so. Did- did yeah. you wrestle with that perfectionism uh, in design? Yeah. Uh, I, I imagine so many designers <laughs> in particular wrestle with perfectionism. And then there's a lot of the like business owners that are like, just, just get it done. It's fine. Just, just yep. put it up. Did, <laughs> did, do you have that battle personally? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I've definitely like battled with perfectionism for a long time, but so has Alex. Like Alex and I mm-hmm. both like admit that we, we can be quite perfectionistic like in that, in that sense. So um yeah it's definitely something that we've had to like just like work on for a long time it's just like saying like okay there's you know and and even in design in arts like all of my props would say this like all the time that um uh one one of my favorite props specifically said like art is done when you say it's done because you otherwise you could just continue to work on it forever and you'll you'll always find like an extra thing to like add or or improve or finish um and uh so at some point you do just have to say like, it's done. It's this, this piece is good. I'm moving on. Um, and same thing with uh, all of the architecture profs that I, I talked to. I, there was so much like crossover between all of this. Like mm-hmm. um, a ton of my profs would say that uh, an artist, like a, an architect's work is never finished because they are always working on the same detail throughout their entire life. You know, it can be across several buildings, several projects, but they're mm. still trying to like perfect that one thing that they're trying to look for. And like each, each design, each building, each like, like photograph gets closer to what they think that like is perfection, but it never quite reaches there. It's, it's very, it's very similar to the concept of like Kaizen. It's just like continual self-improvement. Yeah. It, so, all the cha- change is good and yeah. we're always improving. Yeah. And I think, I think, I love that about Kanama, right? There's, you're never going to hit mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. You're never going to be perfect. Yeah. There's never an ultimate, you can always add another Because it's a flip. moving goal. It's a moving goal. Like you think, yeah. you know, like when we literally, when we started Kanama, we literally said out loud several times, like the day I learned to Lunar, it, um, it's done. I, I, I mastered Kanama. And it's like, then you realize that there's so much more. So like, it's a, it's a moving goal every single time. But a good yeah. thing, yeah. No, totally, absolutely. And I think that mm-hmm. can, there, there's like two ways that you can approach that, that philosophy of Kaizen, where mm-hmm. there's no real tangible finish line. You can yeah. either humbly accept that and then mm-hmm. proceed anyways, or yeah. just fall into paralysis and be like, well, if, if there's nothing that I can achieve, you know, ultimately at the end of mm-hmm. this, then I'm just not going to do anything. And I think yeah. that depending on the type of person you are, you're going to find a lot more joy in life if you humbly accept the fact that you're never going to be perfect and that you can always improve. (laughs) Right? Well, no, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love, I've been reading some, a little bit of Stoic philosophy, so I agree with you. (laughs) Who who are you reading? Uh, I've mostly secondary texts, so I haven't actually read like primary texts of Stoic philosophy, but I really, really loved Epictetus, like, and Marcus Aurelius as well a little bit, but um, yeah, Epictetus like was, really fascinating so yeah are, are you studying philosophy or uh, or is no, this leisure reading the leisure reading yeah okay. leisure, leisure reading kind of pandemic induced leisure reading <laughs> <laughs> i i love philosophy i i love i used to be a big reader especially in college i went through mm-hmm. one year where i tried to read a book a week outside of my course text which was a very yeah. ambitious goal 
that ended up sewering a lot of my like headspace during that season. <laughs> yeah. But I made it through like, I think 20 books or something that nice. year, yeah. which was way more than I ever would have read anyways. And I'm grateful mm -hmm. for it. And I read a couple of philosophy books. I don't even remember which ones, but I love philosophy, business philosophy, all that stuff. I just mm -hmm. love nonfiction writing because it, yeah. it helps me to like think more broadly about the world. And mm -hmm. I was just curious at what, you know, obviously you, you appreciate that kind of literature. Yeah. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. I think more people should read philosophy. I, I love that. It's more psychology. They're one yeah. of my favorite books. Have you read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? No, I haven't. I'm going to write that down. Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah, I think it's one of the, the greatest books any, any one person could ever read. Viktor Frankl mm -hmm. was a psychologist. He was a Jew in Nazi Germany in an internment camp. And he was wrestling through kind of like a Kaizen-like philosophy in mm. uh, he ba basically like he was taken into this concentration camp and he was trying to find meaning or basically he took the opportunity. He's like, I I'm here. I'm a psychologist. I'm mm -hmm. going to do a psychological study essentially of the, the people that are here with me in this concentration camp. Yeah. And he began to analyze, you know, who are the people that survived and, and did, you know, lived in mm -hmm. in this concentration camp and who didn't and he he had all these assumptions that it's going to be the people that were muscularly strong and the people that were you know brave and courageous and all these things and those weren't mm -hmm. the people that actually did well in the camp it was actually the people who found meaning in something intrinsic something deeper that couldn't be mm -hmm. stripped away because everything mm -hmm. was stripped away from people your muscles they ain't lasting your yeah. if, if you hold <laughs> if you hold your meaning and value and things that are tangible or complete like your home or your money or your job or any of those things, all those things can mm -hmm. be taken away from you. But for him, he was like, what are the things that I can hold on to that can never be taken from me yeah. no matter what? And then he comes up with this whole philosophy. And I, I mean, I could talk about this book for a long time, but logotherapy is basically his practice of, of finding meaning. Ah, and he talks yeah, about yeah. that at the end of the book. Anyway, mm -hmm. really fantastic nice. book, emotional, but good one. Yeah, Recommend. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back, back to the design, back to Tara a little bit here. I want to know, you know, journeying through the early phases, what were some of the challenges that you faced in design and, and associated particularly with Tara Kanama and the growth of the company? Uh, oh, man, primarily because it was, it was designed for, like, myself and for us. Um, it's often said, and I absolutely agree with it, that, uh, you are your own worst client <laughs> because uh, when you're designing for someone else, you can kind of see like not perfectly objectively, but you can kind of see through some of the assumptions that the client might be making or, you know, you can, you're a bit of like a, an outside third party. So you, you're less emotionally attached to the, uh, to the designs and you can kind of like work through the process. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're designing something for yourself, like perfectionism hits hard. It's, it's really tough to like, remove your own like emotional attachment to it and say like is this really good like is this actually what I'm is this is this actually saying what I want it to say is it solving the problem that I want it to or am I just holding on to it because I personally like it um so that was uh, and I still I, we still go through that all the time I still do that um so that's tough but uh it I'm getting slowly better at it I have like mechanisms for that as well so um yeah, it's uh, that was that's definitely the biggest challenge, and that's that's been like the number one challenge over the years is just making sure that uh, I can find time to like step away from it and and like really look at it again and say like you know do I just like this or is this actually a, a, you know achieving the goal that we're trying to achieve? So mm. yeah, do you feel like you've gotten more confident over time? Yeah, a, a bit. Yeah, 
um imposter syndrome still kicks in every once in a while and i think oh, we yeah. all experience that but uh oh, yeah. yeah it definitely yeah just the the more you do it like kind of like creativity i like kind of view it as like a bit of a wheel in motion the more you do it just the the more it comes to you and that that helps like knowing you know having just like a repertoire of like you know past designs that i can look at to you know give me some confidence and yeah mm -hmm. move forward at what point did you realize that you know your design what when were you most maybe proud of your designs in relation to Terraconomic and then and then also like outside of that mm -hmm. i want to know kind of what you do outside of Terraconomic because you obviously went on to do a master's of architecture and yes. i don't think Terra is in the architecture business of building no. buildings so i kind of want to know where the overlap <laughs> in the in the, the oh there's actually is. quite a bit of, oh, okay. of overlap with that but yeah. uh probably most proud um the first thing, I mean, there's probably a few of them, but the the one that like really jumped out at me was when, uh, I mean, Alex and I have been to Toy Fair several times with Konami USA, but um, the, the year- New we, New York Toy Fair? Yeah, the New York okay. Toy Fair. Um, it's the second biggest toy fair in the world, just after Nuremberg, I think. Um, Crazy. I, I might be wrong on that, but uh, yeah. Um, so we've been there several years with Konami USA, um, but the year that we actually had, it was with Konami USA still, but um, we had a Terrapil booth at Toy Fair. Um, I think that was one of my my proudest moments, actually, because uh, we, you know, I designed the entire like booth layout and like Jeremy was amazing from Konami USA. He was amazing. He helped us like put us put it together. And um, there was a group like halfway through the, the fair, there was a group of design students that came um, with their pro it was like some kind of field trip that they were taking on just to like, look at booth design and stuff. And, uh, and they all like, just loved our design, our booth, they like kept coming back to it and said it was like amazing. It was like, very like much like a humbling moment. It was like, Oh, mm. it was, like design students like my it was like, Oh, it's like a moment where it's like, I don't like, I feel like an imposter, like, but this is amazing. So it was, that was a very, very proud moment. Um, it was, for it was me. the classic student becomes teacher moment. Yeah, 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 definitely. For a moment, for, for a moment. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah that that's was, so cool. Yeah, that was a very cool moment for me. Now, you've done a bit of traveling for Kendama and gone around outside of the New York Lots. Fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah. where, where have you all been for Kendama? Maybe it's a long list, but what, what are a it's few a places list. that you've been? um oh man okay so i mean alex and i travel i mean we we've, we've been really lucky very privileged that we've grown up with traveling families so i've just been traveling a lot through like throughout my own life um and uh when we were you know like in the kanama edmonton days we kind of just use like traveling as an excuse to to just go to kanama events as well like we mm -hmm. kind of like couple them with traveling that we were already doing so, I mean, we went to the original, like, Ken Garden battle, one of them, uh, Ken Garden battles in San Francisco, been to battle in Seattle, um, three of them, uh, been to, I've been to Japan, oh, I don't even know how many times, I've been to, the, like, the Gloken Cup, and I think the only um, Kendama World Cup that I missed was 2019, like, yeah, I think we've been to every other one. You've been, you've been to that many World Cups? Yeah. That's insane. Yep. Yeah, we've been to all of them. Yeah. So Except wait, for that's what, five, six? Uh, Glowkin Cup was 2013, and then 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So five. Yeah, I've been to five. Holy. 
Yeah. That's a lot of times <laughs> to go to Japan. Yeah, I know. I've, That's I, awesome. I've, yeah, I've been six or seven times to Japan, I think now. Um, yeah, so, did you go to Catch and Flow as well? Or did you go outside no, of Kanama? No, that's, that's the one uh, event that I haven't been to. Um, I really wanted to go one year when um, they were doing the all girls like Kendama event yeah. like the day before. And it just, it conflicted with school and I couldn't go. But I, mm. yeah, I really wanted to go. But yeah, we've been to uh, EJC as well. We went to um, EJC when it was in Poland one year. Um, yeah, a lot. So you've I'm been probably all over missing the world. some, but yeah, yeah, I've been all over the world. I've been incredibly lucky and privileged to travel all over the world. That's super <laughs> Kendama cool. Kendama, even. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. So uh, we were we were chatting about this before, but. For, the, for those that don't know, I mean, I'm kind of more re just hashing this, but I had, you know, briefly encountered you or met you and I had recognized you. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was telling you about this. Uh, MKO 2018, I believe it was. Yes. We were yeah. in Mall of America. I was yeah. sitting there. I think you're even on my like MKO 2018 edit. I like did a vlog of the whole thing. And there's a scene or two in there that I think like mm -hmm. you're in the background next to Alex or whatever. And yeah. and. I had no idea who you were, but you were hanging out with all the people I thought were so cool. And I was like, oh, these are all the legends. And like, I never talked to Alex once, but I definitely wanted to because he was like the Canadian, Kandami yeah. USA. And I'm like, I'm Canadian. I need to chat with this guy. But Alex is big. Like, and he's, and he's got a like resting face too. That is like, he does, I'm, a yeah. I'm a little afraid of him. <laughs> well, I think also because, I mean, he doesn't normally have that, but when, like, when at he's MKO, judging. when he's judging, he just like, it's like the, the face comes <laughs> on and you know that he's just like in that mode now so. he's he's the king of judges for real like yeah. he is he is the most like i so i judged the year after that and i was like i have to live up to the canadian icon of judges which is alex <laughs> smith when i judge and so i was like i have to be right up close knees bending with everybody watching the finest of movements because alex is yeah. like the first and one I mean, to call a trick not good yeah and i mean he even i think he would be uh pretty quick to say that he even got that demeanor from other people like in judging like you know in like the days of like the void like at the bka like those like those days when they had competitions and like um daniel robinson like i remember mm -hmm. him coming back from mko one year he's like Daniel Robinson just like went straight into like hardcore judging mode and I just <laughs> knew that it was it was time like I had to do it too it like so. we're gonna step it up yeah yeah <laughs> but but yeah so yeah. the the point the point being is like I I saw you there I didn't know who you were but I knew that you had to have been important in some capacity because oh, you, you you were surrounded by all of these other people <laughs> that I had known and looked up to but I didn't know you but yet everybody there knew you all of these really influential people. And I was like, okay, who is this person that is surrounded by all of these people I look up to, but I don't know who that person is. And I had seen you in vlogs numerous times on like the Kusa vlogs, or maybe it was on Sweets vlogs, you name it. And realizing that you had so much influence in this space of the Kanama community, yet you yourself may or may not actually be that big of a person in Kanama, but everybody knew you and respected you and, and appreciated you for who you were. And I'm just curious, you know, like, what was that narrative like for you building up to these moments and playing what, I mean, I mean maybe you would say, or I, mm -hmm. I would say, like, kind of like a background role in the growth yeah. of Kanama through Terra or the Kanama USA? What was uh, that like? I mean, I, honestly, I think it's just because I, I, I don't really seek out the spotlight. I'll be the first to admit it. I didn't even, I like had, I didn't have Instagram on my phone for like several years. I, you know, 
I've always kind of like played the background role a bit because I also I I just I love design. I love being behind the the camera, behind like you know the work and kind of I I don't know. I feel like I just thrive at that quite well. Um, so I was just all, but I was always excited to be just a part of what was going on. And so mm-hmm. you know, whenever Alex like was traveling, like we would travel together. I'd love to like be there and be a part of it, but I I, I never really wanted to be like up front and center in the camera like you know in a ton of like Arkanama Edmonton edits and even the Terra edits like I usually have a trick or two but you know I never mm-hmm. really wanted to be like full on in the spotlight I just wanted to be there to to help and like you know help see like you know my vision our vision like you know the mm-hmm. Terra's vision Konami Osei's vision like come to life um and so yeah I, I really enjoyed being a part of that and and just pretty much down to like take any opportunity I could to like come along and, and work on stuff. And um, yeah, I remember like I, when one year when Alex was going to Konami Yosei, like to New York for the toy fair for Konami Yosei, I just, I, we were living in separate cities at the time. So I said, Hey, like mm-hmm. I, I would love to come out and just, you know, hang out and see and, you know, see Konami, like see you, but like, hang out in New York and um and I ended up ha- like just hanging out and helping out and working in the t- in the Konami Osei booth the entire weekend and I remember the owner Jeremy was like shocked he was like you're in New York and you don't want to just like go wander around New York you want to actually like sit in this booth with us all day I was like yeah because this is like where it's happening I want to I want to be a part of it um and I think just that willingness to like be around and and help out and and just see this vision like carry forward um really helped me in a lot of ways and the other thing is that um i mean when we first started playing kendama like yeah it was it was all on the internet it was like just us making youtube videos and like seeing you know maybe the 11 other people on youtube also making you know kendama edits um but really where like where the magic really was was when we actually got to see each other in person like Mm -hmm. on these trips and i think that was like a huge role in um in kind of cementing these relationships and finding this network of people was actually being able to travel and and you know being able to see these people in person so for me for the longest time kind of still to this day even with the pandemic like kinama still is very much like an in-person thing for me and i i realize that that's not that's not like the reality for a lot of people especially in this world like you know in this year and and whatnot but uh for me like Kanama has always been like being in those rooms, like at those competitions, seeing people. So even if I wasn't that active on social media or the internet and mm-hmm. Instagram, all that, um, where I was really active was just, you know, being in person and interacting with people. So um, yeah, I might, I might be in the background of a lot of like internet um, moments, but I was, I was around for a lot of like the in-person stuff that's really important. So I cherish those for sure. Yeah, and I think that's the piece that people miss sometimes. It's like you you don't have to be front and center to mm-hmm. be an impact or be an influence in those spaces. And yeah. even going back to like our, our our little conversation on design that I definitely want to jump back to in a bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the subtleties of the things that happen in the background, the people that are doing those changes, you know, updating the user experience, uh, updating the design of something, the people that you don't ever see front and center, mm-hmm. they're the backbone of what's actually making it. 
And, yeah. and they're the people that are holding things <laughs> down, bringing it together, you know, whether or not that is from a design or that person who's your local guy at the jam who just hypes everybody up. He may not land the biggest tricks. He may not do anything, but he empowers everybody else or she empowers yeah. everybody else to be better. And mm -hmm. those are the people that I think are so valuable in Kendama that go so unrecognized in, in their roles and what they do because mm -hmm. they play such an important role to the grander community around them. And I think sometimes we forget about them and forget the roles that yeah. they played. Yeah. Uh, per personal question. Um, mm -hmm. you, you, can, you can choose not to answer if you'd like. <laughs> uh, you know, in, in the early stages of Kendama, uh, Alex was introduced first, correct? Yeah, yeah. Or sure. around, around the same time. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. curious. Was Kanama like a you and Alex thing together or was it an Alex thing? Then you came and And what was that dynamic like for, for you mm -hmm. guys? I think I've only ever really had one other uh, couple on, on uh, the review. We, you know, we talked yeah. to uh, Steve, Steezy Wonder a while back. Mm -hmm. We were chatting about like a Dama relationship and what that looked like. And I was just curious, like, has, was Kanama always like a thing that you did together? Or do you think that Kanama is your thing and Alex's thing separately or you, you know I'm just the dynamics yeah, of it. you know yeah. what has that been like for you uh yeah I mean when he first he found it first he was like you know um a friend like introduced him to it and mm -hmm. he showed it to me and I was like oh that's kind of cool and at first at, at first I wasn't like immediately like hooked or anything like Alex had one and I would just I would play with his every once in a while and he'd be like, oh, I got to get you your own. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I can just use yours. It's <laughs> fine. I can just use yours. And uh, so that kind of like went that way for, I don't know, a few months. And then I think it was for my birthday that he got me a Red Azora. And that was like my first Kendama. And, uh, and I don't even think it was when I first spiked it that it was like when I was hooked. It was when I got my first bird. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's on now. Um, and so, yeah, I, w I would definitely say that uh, throughout the years, um, it's definitely something that we do together. I mean, like we run a company together, we've traveled mm -hmm. together. Um, you know, Alex has like his own entire role with Konami USA and like as a pro and like, that's his role. That's his, you know, that's his life with Kendama. And like, you know, I don't need to be like a part of that, but um, I would definitely say that we, it's something that we've done together for a long time. And um, I've always just loved, like I've loved playing Kendama, but I also just loved like, being there to like film tricks for him and mm -hmm. being there to like you know if he's like working on a trick and he's like oh just either frustrated or not exactly sure how to like end it or something you know it's like you know i'd be there to like consult him on that and like he's still to this day when he's hand turning kendamas sometimes he'll get to like a critical juncture and he'll come to me and be like oh i don't know if like it's like the cerdo should be turned this way or this way what do you think and like i, I feel like for a for a lot of like our our kendama careers um it's it's been a lot of like you know us just like consulting with each other and and you know me being there for like support and and just the background like role and and I don't you know some people don't like that but I don't mind having that role because it allows mm. me to work on like the things that I I find to be a priority which is just like the vision of like creating space and like mm. and you know helping Kendama move forward so yeah, yeah, that's so, that's beautiful. That's, freaking, <laughs> that's so beautiful. I love that. That gets me excited. Mm -hmm. I think it's humbling too, right? Because I think so many yeah. of us, I know for me, that would be a challenge. Like I, I, I have way too much ego in my life to like, <laughs> be like, oh, let me just take a back seat. And, and I try to, like, I try to call that for sure. But I, I know that for so many people, it's hard to like, take that and say like, okay, no, actually I, I want to play 
more in the background and elevate other people up and be there to support others. And mm-hmm. a, like, just to acknowledge that, that is a huge respect that, that you do I, that. I mean, That's I'm, incredible. I'm not, it's, no, it's not like I've always been perfect either. I've definitely had no, moments where, you know, I want, I was like hoping to have like a little bit more of like a recognition here or a recognition mm-hmm. there, or like, you know, I wish someone like had used my trick here or something, you know, like there's, it's not, mm-hmm. it's definitely not perfect. And, you know, you don't need to be perfect. I've had my own stumbles with that, but um, I've also found that like when I, you know, when I, it, there are a lot of times like being thrust into the spotlight where I really didn't like it. Like when I, you know, when I finally got that moment of like, oh, I was like, you know, in the spotlight, like I, you know, I, I just, I wanted to be more in the background as well. I wanted to like work behind the scenes and like, mm-hmm. you know, I, cause I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I, I flip flop between being an extrovert and an introvert a lot, but uh, <laughs> I definitely tend towards more being an introvert. So, you know, it's some like, yeah, well, I found that the the spaces where I really thrived were spaces where I could just like, you know, think about what I be methodical, think about what I wanted to do next and like help move the scene forward for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, you've probably done more for Kendama in, in the role that you've been in, in the background and doing the unseen work that's empowered oh, so much of the work that's been done in, in Kendama than had you just taken the opportunity to be mm-hmm. like, oh, let me just get as many likes on my Instagram posts and like, let's, let's build yeah. up my followers. Let's make sure that I, I get seen by everybody like that. That can be such a waste of time when there are so many beautiful projects to be working mm-hmm. on that actually are impactful and empowering and just so powerful. And, yeah. and and I think yeah. you've prioritized that so well. And now we've seen mm-hmm. some of the fruits of that labor. It's like, okay, would Tarek and Nama be where it is if you were focused on chasing after all that stuff? <laughs> Probably not. Would would the all girls Kanama open be where it's at if yeah. you were doing all that? Probably That's a good not. example, actually. Yeah, yeah, because that one actually was that sort. I mean, I'm sure I, like you can ask Haley about this as well. She might have a slightly different answer. But I remember that one of the biggest impetus for like starting the all girls kanama contest and all that was actually the crom girls contest they had like a girls only like video contest that Haley and i both like entered um can't remember if steph entered it but uh yeah so we so we entered it and Haley and i thought we were like oh yeah okay so it's gonna be one of the two of us that wins and then yumi came out of nowhere and just swept <laughs> us both it was like gnarly it was crazy um but uh as soon as like we we entered that contest and and that was kind of over and the dust settled, um, I remember Haley and and I and and several others like talking like, man, we should just do this ourselves. Like this should be like, this should be girl run. Like we should do this. So um, really like, you know, we we started like you know, uh, working on a video contest. And then that really like scaled into like Haley and Yuka working on like in-person contests and taking that on. And, mm-hmm. um, and through that, like, you know, a lot of us sort of, you know, faded a bit into, into the background of the people who are like running these contests instead of, you know, being in them. And, um, and I really, really enjoy that because it's allowed me at least to see just so many more, so many more women um, in the community allowed to like give them the space to like, you know, be in the, in the spotlight, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's giving, that's given me so much more joy and empowerment than, you know, my little like 30 second video that I had like on the Crom girls like contest. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I've found that like creating space for other people around me is like a lot more um, like rewarding, I think for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool. Uh, we'll take a moment here in a couple seconds to, mm -hmm. to jump into some questions from the chat and some from the Patreon, yeah. people that have submitted ahead. But I want to know, okay, uh, give, give us a brief summary of what your role is at Terra Kanama now, just to kind of like capstone a bit of what you've been doing at Terra. Um, uh, and we'll probably fill mm -hmm. in some gaps throughout. But, you know, if, if, I, if you were to tell someone what your job is at Terra, what is it? <laughs> uh, people ask me this all the time. Like, what is your job description? I, I don't know if I have one. It's kind of everything. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, I do, I do kind of like product design. Um, I help Alex with like, you know, shape design stuff. I do like one of the things you were asking about, like architecture, how does it translate over? I yeah. do all the CAD work for like our, uh, when we're creating like new designs or new shapes or anything like that. Um, I, I actually like create like 3D files for it, which I never would have been able to do, like had I not had, you know, learned that in, in some fashion. Um, so I, I work on that, but I also do just kind of like, I, uh, another one is website design. I kind mm -hmm. of maintain like our website, uh, photography, all of the product photos, um, not all, but a ton of like, you know, just the actual like life, like pro photos, the mm -hmm. like action photos, that kind of stuff. Um, and then also just the day to day, like I make sure that like our employees get paid and are happy and, you know, can eat and go home and all of that. Um, yeah, do have some of our bookkeeping, just kind of like keeping Tara running, you know, um, on a day to day, a lot of it is like a ton of overlap with what Alex does, but yeah. you know, cause we didn't really like fall into really clearly defined like roles yeah. in the, it's just kind of like, you know, when there was a gap that we, that, that needed filling, like one of us would just fill it. So yeah. we, a lot of our roles like intertwined quite a bit. So. Yeah, was that interesting? Okay, at what point did you realize that you and Alex were going into business together? Like you guys said, it really started out as a club, and then all yeah. of a sudden one day you're like, "Hey, look, I, I guess we're uh, we're kind of doing this thing." Yeah, I don't know if there was really like a hard set line because it really just like slowly grew. Like you know, we didn't we didn't really plan that it was going to be a business. I mean, I wasn't even technically a founder of Terra. It was Alex and Ben, um, yeah. and you know we for the first few years, we were just doing this as like a summer job because we were both yeah. in school. And so it was just kind of, it was too cold to turn Dama's in winter. Oh, I, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I remember, I remember Alex saying that cause yeah. you, you guys were doing it in the garage and, and he's yeah. like, I ain't yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So it was really just kind of part-time and then, you know, Alex finished school and was folk at, at that time was focusing quite a bit on like Nami Osei because he was, um, you know, like that was that was like really taking off for him being a pro there and i was still in school so it was like still part time um and it really only just kind of like morphed into i think it was really when i finished or i was about to finish like architecture school where it, it was really coming down to like okay like you know everyone around me is like okay so you're going to start working for a firm like what are you going to do and i was like mm, honestly i've been kind of like splitting half of my time with Tara for a long time I need to like give this like you know I need to give this at least like a year of like my full attention with nothing mm. else around and I think maybe that was when like it finally kind of clicked that we're like yeah okay now we're not only like Alex and I are not only together we're like running a business together mm -hmm. so but um it kind of slipped in very naturally and five years later almost still doing it so yeah. yeah, that that's crazy. So mm -hmm. do, did you are you working elsewhere? Or are you full time Tara? 
full-time Tara, but I've also done, I mean, it's still Kendama work, but I've also done um, design work for like Kendama USA. Like I've done design work for other companies and stuff. So um, mm -hmm. it's all, I'm full-time Kendama design, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's cool. Did you yeah. end up doing any architecture work like with an agency after you finished your master's in architecture? Uh, I haven't done an internship in order to get licensed, at least in Canada, you have to do okay. a, an internship afterwards and then pass like a licensing exam. So I haven't done that, but I did, you know, while I was in school, I worked with a ton of just architects, like otherwise, um, mm -hmm. mostly in like my, I mean, my thesis was in like, like garment making and like the idea of like the connection between like clothing and like a, your body and like built space around you. So it was a lot. Interesting. It was much smaller scale than, you know, what I think a lot of people traditionally think of like architecture. They think of like buildings. And I, I think of the new buildings in Calgary. Have you, yeah, have you seen yeah. the, have you been inside the new Calgary library? No, I haven't. It's insane. I haven't seen it. You have yeah. to come and, and, and yeah. take a walk through. It is. Hedda maybe did that one. I'm not totally sure, but yeah. I'm not sure, but I know that uh, yeah. Christian Fraser when he was on here, he was geeking oh, yeah, out yeah. about it. Cause he's like, nice. yeah, I know that. I know the people that made that. He was hyped on it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I've talked to Christian Fraser a bunch about stuff. He works at Perkins Will, I think, um, okay. which has like a, a presence like in Vancouver. Um, and uh, yeah, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, you know, my, my thesis was like very small scale. So a lot of the architects that I worked on were doing like, you know, sewing projects or they were creating mm -hmm. like, you know, small pavilions and pop up like um, exhibits and stuff. So uh, yeah, I have I have like worked and like collabed with a ton of like my profs and and architects in the in the business. Um, yeah. But I no, I haven't I haven't gotten licensed or done an internship at all yet. Is that so, something that you want to do? I'm I haven't closed the door on it yet. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but I am also I also feel pre pretty fulfilled like just like using my skills in kendama because a lot of it does translate over like i said yeah. i get to do like actual like product design and like use like those same sort of like skills that i that i use in architecture mm -hmm. but just on a smaller scale on a on a different scale um but that that being said like i could still see myself being in the architecture world like at some point um i'm just kind of you know seeing seeing where like life takes me in my design right now so I mean, it's pretty rad to say that you guys are probably the only economic company aside from maybe Sweets, if they consider Christian an employed, uh, you know, player mm -hmm. uh, that has a master's of architecture on their team, yeah. helping them to design <laughs> their economics, which is absolutely nuts. Like, that's so cool. Thank you. I think yeah. that's awesome. Cool. Well, hey, let's take a quick moment here and mm -hmm. let's uh, dive into some questions here. We got uh, one or two from the patrons and then we'll dive into some of the other questions. Uh, from mm -hmm. Kendama Cares, uh, this is... Yeah everybody's favorite mama in the community mm -hmm. asking or saying, first yeah. off, she says this, Kristen yeah. has been such an integral part of laying the foundation for female Kanama players. Uh, she would love to know if there is a milestone that we, the collective, the royal we, oh. have realized that has surprised you and one that we haven't, but thought that we would have by 2021. So I think kind of to, to summarize, you know, is yeah. there a milestone in Kanama that we've hit or one that mm -hmm. you thought we were going to hit, but we haven't hit yet? Um, hmm. I don't know about like specific like milestone, like, you know, if something's like, when I think of milestone, I think of like a marker of like, we've hit like X number of something or whatever. But um, 
honestly, I'm I'm really inspired, uh, especially since I have I literally just re-downloaded Instagram on my phone like maybe a few weeks ago. Uh, so I haven't been that active in like the mm -hmm. you know online community. But when I down you know when I downloaded and kind of like reemerged, I was really inspired to just how many women are in and you know non-binary, non-men like are mm -hmm. in the Kanama community. Um, especially people that I, I didn't know, like, you know, I think mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, that sounds like, like hubris, but, uh, for a long time, I knew almost every single mm -hmm. woman in the economic community, because there weren't that many of us, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that's really inspiring to me to see like, that it's not just like, oh, the women that like, oh, I know, like, I know her, They're like, oh, mm -hmm. I know her, I know them. Like, yeah. So like, I, I think seeing like women that I don't know that are, you know, that, are just inspiring to me um, that are in the game and creating their own communities, their own little hubs everywhere. That's a, that's mm -hmm. a huge milestone for me personally. Um, milestone that we haven't hit yet. Uh, I don't, um, I don't know. Um, I think like this is, this is a bit of a strange one. I remember for a long time, Haley and I like kind of had differing views on, on the role of, um like women's categories in competitions mm -hmm. because i personally at the time didn't really see it as as helpful to like you know segregate and separate separate um mm -hmm. women from men because i personally don't see there actually being any physical advantage between the the two um when it comes to kendama um but Haley saw that very differently because she saw it as a space to empower and, and welcome women um and encourage them to compete and that's t she's totally changed my mind on that. I totally see now mm. that like how helpful those spaces are, but I guess like I would love to see, uh, I'd love us to reach a milestone where it's not a given that uh, like a man's going to win a competition. And I mean, mm. I think we're almost there. Like we're already there in like Japanese, in the Japanese world, like definitely there, mm -hmm. but I'd love to see in North America where like, it's not a given that it's going to be like a man standing yeah. in first place winning the cash prize. So Oh, yeah. uh, I guess uh, if there's a milestone that we could reach, I would love to see it where, you know, it could, it could be anyone. Um, oh yeah. yeah. There, there are some incredible women in the community that have popped up in the last year or two years mm -hmm. in terms of canola play that are just taking it by storm. I am yeah. so excited to see the development and the growth. Uh, are there any women in particular uh, that you see as like, wow, oh. this person's incredible. I think that they are going to make a big impact in the competitive canola space. Oh man. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I, I'm not like, again, like I, I haven't been super connected with the online world and, you know, mm -hmm. in-person events have really taken a hit the last year, obviously. So, um, honestly, I think again, like just all the Japanese players that we watch every year on like the, um, you know, all girls Kendama contests and stuff like seeing them grow up and like get just incredibly good. Like, I remember um, like Noah and um, I think her name's Ito Koyama. Like she's just one of those, like all these years have had like a little pig, like stuffed animal that she okay. like plays with in, yeah, her, yeah, yeah. Uh, in her edits. Um, I remember they were putting edits out when they were like five years old, like for the all girls Kanama contest. And now they're still putting out edits for that contest, like five years oh. on. And they're just, incredible like like i just to see that kind of development is like huge for me so i think that's though like yeah the japanese like kendama players are taking like the world by storm i think for sure so
Yeah, is there anyone that you're following in North America? Uh, that, North America. Um, not particularly, because like I said, I've just, I just, you know, like have been entering Instagram again, really, like right. in the last like few weeks. And so honestly, I've just been like, like realizing how few of them I, I followed because, you know, I, they, they mm. either went around or I wasn't aware of them. So I've just been like, follow, 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 like starting to like, yeah. just, like get my bearings again and like seeing so many, so many new uh, players is, is really inspiring. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I, you'll have to check back with me on that one. I gotta just like, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do a recap. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so many though. Yeah. Okay. My per personal question, then we'll jump into a couple. We got some from Skaggs and uh, mm -hmm. we got a really important question that we need to hash out from Kanama Max Angel, a uh, new Terra employee. <laughs> Uh, so we'll, we'll hit that one here. I know what this one is already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, out of curiosity, you took time off of Instagram and you weren't really in the social yeah. space. Did you actually find that to be beneficial for your design? Because I think I, I have seen this over and over and over again that actually the, the some of the best designers are the ones that are not connected to like the <laughs> ecosystems that they're participating in. And the reason yeah. being is they don't allow all of the opinions and influences of all these people saying all of these things to impact their creative judgment. Uh, mm -hmm. on something and so when they're removed from something they're able to just create organically from their own like inspiration uh, did you mm -hmm. find that for you uh yeah I mean like honestly I also just found like taking like a several year break from like social media was just good for my own mental health is yeah. good for a lot of things so um and also just you know like not not having the the pressure to like feel like you're keeping up like that that was a, a big one for me as well so yeah. I will say yes it definitely changed my relationship with just like you know the internet and social media and that kind of connectedness for a long time I was following like you know I was just following like my friends and other Kanama people and, and stuff and uh, uh I, after I took a break and kind of started coming back I just started following like other accounts like just random like design accounts architecture accounts illustration mm -hmm. accounts and like see just having like a bit of like more of an anonymous relationship with like the content that I viewed um on the internet really like helped like just open up my uh, open up like my mind to like other influences mm -hmm. other like you know design aspects and and like really like that was freeing for me as well so I think I think it did have a positive totally. impact on my design but not necessarily because I was just like completely cut off. It's just, I changed my relationship with the content that I viewed. Um, and I think that's mm -hmm. really beneficial. I think people really need to like, to take that, like take, take in like Instagram and social media in like doses and like understand mm -hmm. the, re the relationship that they have with that, that content and, and those spaces for sure. I think I see this a lot in players in their creativity of play. I think some of the most creative players are the ones that are the most disconnected from, from Instagram and from social media. Because if, if you are playing Kendama for clout or for social engagements mm -hmm. or any of these things, you're only ever going to produce something that people want to see, which is usually the thing that everybody else is doing because, and you're just trying to do it better. Whereas yeah. you look at a guy like Ben Harold and Ben Harold takes like a year to mm -hmm. go and just like live in a forest. I don't know what he does, <laughs> but he literally comes back and then is so inspired with this new creative play style. And it yeah. seems so uninfluenced by the Kanama world that mm -hmm. he's just organically created something that's unique. And, and he is, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm totally off base, but I assume that he's probably l less connected to the social Instagram world 
as a lot of the other influence, uh, a lot mm -hmm. of the other players are. And I think if more people would just take the time to like, just take a step away, they're going to come back with all sorts of new ways of playing Kanama or new yeah. ways of just approaching life in general, mm -hmm. uh, instead of just like trying to put out content that other people are already putting out. It's like, Definitely. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Are. Okay. We got lots of other questions. I can ask a hundred mm -hmm. uh, of my own, but we want, we want to, <laughs> we want to hear what the people want to hear. Uh, Brian Skegline wants to know what is your biggest pet peeve about living with Alex and what is your favorite thing about living with Alex? Give us oh, the beef on, on Alex. Yeah, Smith. I know he's gonna, he's <laughs> literally in the background. He's going to laugh at this. Um, well, I know Skagline wants me to say Alex time, but, uh, that's not what I'm going to say. <laughs> Smith, Smith time. Yeah. Yeah. Smith time. The um, leg no, legendary clock. Yeah. Um, no, probably what I would say is my pet peeve is, uh, Alex can be a bit of like a squirreler. He can like, he just like tends to like tuck stuff away into corners and nooks and crannies. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, just like stuff that he wants to keep or any, I don't know. And I'm like definitely a person who just wants to pull all the stuff out of the corners because it's like, just looks cleaner. It's easier to clean. I like to like having like a nice like setup and, and living situation. So that we constantly battle. It's like I, I'll pull stuff out and then he'll put it back and then I'll pull <laughs> it out again and he'll put it back. And yeah, so that's, that's it. But um, my favorite thing about living with Alex is uh, he is, an incredible improviser at cooking he i i tend to like cook by recipes and if we don't have exactly all the items that we need that i'm just like kind of lost i'm like mm. deer in the headlights a bit but he can just like look in the fridge at the most like unbelievable like array of different objects and create amazing meals and he always keeps me incredibly well fed so mm. yeah so, so who's, great person who's the better cook that. If, if you had all the ingredients in the world Oh, at your man. fingertips i don't know is a battle, battle we're just very cooks. we're very different i guess i okay. i don't know we're just very different at our style like he he just like tosses things together and creates amazing like things and i definitely go more by recipe and like established like order yeah. um yeah i don't know i don't think i could really say like if i think we're we're both like pretty good but like just very different style vancouver's got a good food culture too there's so many organic like markets and stuff there yeah. you can so like eat sushi. very sustainable yeah so oh. much like cheap delicious sustainable sushi like really good sushi vancouver's yeah. just got a good food scene in general their mm -hmm. craft beer market their organic foods the fruits you name it everything it's like yeah it's a really good place to go and eat yeah, I haven't yeah. been to Vancouver, but I've been to like the other like lower mainland. I've been to Chilliwack, right. Abbotsford, yeah, yeah. fairly close, you know, but the coffee mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I, need, I need to come to Vancouver. My hope is if the border restrictions between Alberta yeah. and BC lift, I'm booking a flight. I'm coming out this summer. I'm going to come yeah, hang out with it. the terror squad. So that's, yeah. that's the plan. We'd love uh, to have you. Awesome. Uh, Kazoku or mm -hmm. Kazoku oh, underscore yeah. Kendama. I can never remember how to like pronounce it, but Nate, uh, he says, Kristen. When you are struggling with design and artwork, what do you oh, do to promote man. and inspire creativity? How do you get out of a rut? Oh, man. Yeah, that one, that's an infamous question. I saw that one and instantly was like, yeah, every designer gets asked that question. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I gave, it, I gave it some thought. And, and part of it is, like I said kind of earlier, it's that I, I kind of view like creativity uh, a bit like a wheel in motion, just like the more you do it, the, the easier it gets. Like, um, so part of it is just being a bit proactive. So like, you know, a lot of what I do is I just, 
I, I take pictures of everything that I see that is like really interesting to me or just inspires me in some way. And I might not exactly know like what it inspires me, like why it does or like what it's useful for, but just kind of creating like a catalog of, of just stuff that I'm interested in. Um, mm -hmm. Doesn't really matter what field it's in or whatnot. Um, I also keep a notebook, like I write and scribble and just like all kinds of stuff in this notebook all the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I'm kind of struggling or I'm in a bit of a rut, uh, before I do like anything, before I walk away, I, I just, I have to like get down like the really like bare bones fundamentals of like, what am I trying to solve here? Because design is ultimately about mm -hmm. like, you know, a solving a problem or like creating the utility of some kind. Um, so it's like, I just, I just get that out onto the page. It's like, what is like the bare bones of what I'm trying to do here? The bare fundamentals. Um, and then I, I go for walks. I, I get, a, I move, I go away. Like, you know, I, I leave the problem for a while mm -hmm. and I let it just kind of like percolate in the back of my mind for a bit. Um, sometimes I just, honestly, every designer seems to say this, but just taking a shower or something, just like, I don't know, there's mm -hmm. something about like just getting out of that mental space and like turning off for a second, like water. You're not bringing your phone you. in there or anything. Yeah. You're just sitting there with your own thoughts that yeah. I, seriously yeah. shower That's thoughts really is a real tough. thing. It is a very real thing. So very yeah, real. So that's that's a big one. It's just like kind of proactively like fostering like a, a space or a catalog of like ideas that that you want to work on that, or that you're thinking on and whatnot. And then when you are struggling, like really like having that to come back to, like really laying down, like what is it that you're trying to like achieve and then giving your, yourself the space to just like go away and like not like consciously think about it for a little while that's that's what helps me at least yeah absolutely yeah that makes sense yeah for me yeah. i i have such a barrier in my own head with creativity and i think it's because i like consume so much that i never mm -hmm. actually take the time Tough. to sit still and yeah. i'm always moving i'm always trying to work on the next thing and i and i stifle my creativity so 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 much but some of the mm -hmm. moments in my life when i've like found the most creativity was back when I was in college and I was I had this like line of trees where I, I used to be a max and dirt jump and stuff and I just would go out there for hours at a time with a shovel and just dig dirt and build dirt jumps and ride my bike and out there yeah. I didn't really touch my phone I was just by myself and that was where I had some of the greatest thoughts or like the most profound realizations or the deepest thinking mm -hmm. the most creative concepts that would have ever came to me were in those moments where I just stepped out and I went away yeah. for a bit. And I yeah. think that's one of the best things people can do for creativity. And again, like, mm -hmm. I think you, you did that a little bit with uh, you leaving Instagram and like Ben mm -hmm. Harold, you name it. I think, I think it's a practice in general. People should take, take an hour a day or a couple yeah. hours a week and just go mm -hmm. sit somewhere in a forest, do something different. Yeah, I don't know. definitely. No, I, I, it's really important for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, the, here's the real question though from Max Angel, mm -hmm. Kanama Max Angel. He wants to know, uh, I'm asking on his behalf, let yeah. me, uh, before I preface, great employee, great customer service. He's been doing some really great work on the Instagram. <laughs> this is my boy. Uh, he's been doing a good job. I'm serious. Uh, mm -hmm. He just wants to know, really politely, can he have Tuesday off? Depends on how good he golfs today. We're, we're doing some pitch and putt players club today afterwards. So uh, maybe we'll, we'll take it into consideration depending on uh, how well he plays today. <laughs> you hear that, Max? If you're tuning in. You got to bring out your A game. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, Colin Hislop, H.Slop, wants to know what your favorite aesthetically Kendama 
uh, what is your favorite kendama that you have had a part in designing uh, in the design process, aesthetically speaking? <laughs> Sorry, I just saw Max. <laughs> yeah, Max is bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So, um, favorite kendama that I've had a part in designing. Um, I, give, I did see this one like uh, yesterday or whenever he posted and I was giving it some thought. Um, honestly, the one that it, like comes to mind probably partly because of the design process that that we went under um to do it was uh the nobu mod the kanami uh, say nobu mod from on oh interesting um, yeah you, so wait 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 hold on before you answer that do you play a big yeah. role in the design of kanami usa kanamas as uh, well as Terra? So, some of it some of it yeah for sure i do some like design work for uh kanami usa so he's come like jeremy has come to me with some some projects before yeah um and the nobu mod was um that the reason that one comes to like mind is because uh it was super restrictive like design constraints like pretty much all we got from nobu uh again part probably partly because of like language barriers as well was mm -hmm. he just sent like a photo of like a match soda bottle and was like i want that and went, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah. I've never designed anything based off of like a, a soda bottle before, basically. Um, so I think that one was like very interesting to like really work our heads around like, okay, like how do we, how do we evoke this idea without like just literally putting like a match soda bottle on this like kendama. So I think that one was really, I really enjoyed doing that one because that one really like worked my brain a lot of like, how do I, how do I create a, a an object out of this with like almost no input <laughs> so yeah. yeah that one was a fun one and then uh probably like a Terra one was um probably the van jam dama i really enjoy that one because that one's kind of like a pun that just like went down the rabbit hole a bit <laughs> so uh where it's you know like the name like van jam to jam and we've like used like that idea of like having mm -hmm. like jam jars and stickers for a long time um, like blackberry bushes and raspberry bushes are kind of like endemic to the Vancouver area. So mm -hmm. it just kind of like, you know, it's an idea that just snowballed further and further and further. And I, I really like how those ones turned out. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. I was, I was thinking it was this one, but this is the Dome on the drive one, not the, not yeah. the Van Jam. I need to come yeah. out to Van Jam. I've been dying to come. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like a Canadian and I haven't even been to it yeah. yet. What am I doing with my <laughs> life? <laughs> yeah. But, Oh, that, that's so cool. So do you design pretty much the majority of, of all of the kanamas that Terra produces in terms of the design of them? Is yeah, that you? Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's me. Um, I mean, depending on, you know, like what model it is, like we'll, we'll get input from like, the pro team. We, mm -hmm. we always kind of put stuff out for just like their input. If they ever have ideas that they want to like come to us like with, it's like we're always down to like, you know, take them. Like if they want to actually do the design themselves, like I'm – I'm very on board for that kind of stuff, but I'm always there to, you know, help them out if, if like, you know, if someone doesn't exactly know how to design it or they are, they have an idea, but they're not exactly sure. Like, you mm -hmm. know, we, we work on that with them. Um, a lot of it is like Alex and, and Max now, and I like collabing just like on ideas, like brainstorming mm -hmm. at the table. Um, yeah. But a uh, majority of like, whether it's just like the, the like technical like file prep work or the actual like creative um side of it as well yeah most of it's me that's super cool uh yeah. so what what does that process look like with you and a pro because i i know uh, a lot of people that listen to this podcast want to become sponsored want to get their own pro mod at some <laughs> point in their life 
And one of the things that I think so many people dream of and think of as players is like, I want to design my own pro model. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they might have some elaborate idea or scheme of, of what that looks like. And obviously you've worked with a handful of pros in mm -hmm. helping them design their, their pro models. Talk yep. me through that process a little bit from the designer side, because obviously the pro has their own perspective of like, oh, I want it to mean this and this and this. And, and how does that process yeah. look for you as a designer? Um, a lot of the time, a, it, a bit of it is just like teasing out like what's the really bare bones fundamental like concept that they want. Because um, sometimes, you know, like what you get is like surface level, like information where like, like, I really want it to be like orange. And you're like, okay, cool. But like, is there anything past that? You know, that, you know, like, what what is behind that? Or like, I really wanted to have like, this image, like stamped on the big cup. And, like, you know, they just tell me what the image is. But I, you know, I want to know a little bit of like the motivations behind why they want that. Is it significant to them? Is it like behind like a larger concept of like, you know, um, that they're, they're thinking about, but they're not necessarily telling me. Um, it's almost like, like it, a psychological dig into their head a little bit. You yeah, got a little into. bit. Yeah. Like Misu's like promo. Like, sorry, one second. Alex is. Yes, please. Okay. All right. See you a little bit. They're they're leaving for pitch and putt, and I'm going to join them later. So yeah. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we won't try and keep you too much. Oh no, it's though. all good. It's all good. It's all good. Um, but uh, what so, is like, pitch and putt? First off, pitch and putt is what like does that even short, mean? Short golf. <laughs> is that like mini golf or? Uh, no, it's bigger than mini golf, but it's like it's it's like the idea that you pretty much the reason it's like pitch and putt is the idea that it's like the golf course is short enough that you really only need like a pitching wedge and a uh, putter. So okay, it's so like. Yeah, but smaller than a par three. It's a it's a par three basically. It's like you okay. know, or it's like a it depends like where you are, but like there are par three courses that are are quite long. But pitch and putts are usually like they're usually in cities. Like in Edmonton, there's a few pitch and putts like around the 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 River Valley, Vancouver. Okay. They've got one in Stanley Park. Like they're it's short golf basically. Okay, okay. I was yeah. like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I was like, <laughs> I, I just need to know. Okay, so okay. Yeah. yeah sorry. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was gonna say like with um like Misu's pro model like she was very you know like with the the natura pro mods like we ki we kind of came up with the idea we're like okay for like you know this round of like pro mods um like it, it can be a bit like like overwhelming to just like come up with an entire concept for like your your own pro model by yourself like the, when the options are like seemingly endless mm -hmm. so we decided to give them the design constraint of like okay um we just want you to pick like your favorite landscape whether that's whether that's like a mountain landscape or like an airport, you know, like whatever it is, like pick your favorite like landscape and we mm -hmm. can take colors and, and ideas from that. Um, and that gave them a bit of a constraint to just like, you know, uh, mm -hmm. find something that they wanted from there. Misu came back and just told me like, oh, I, I love this park that's near my house. Like, and we had been there. We've actually been there to film Kendama with her um, before. And she said like, you know, just, just design something based on that park. So she just gave me a landscape which was kind of you know the base foundation of what like she wanted and i created all the illustrations out of that mm -hmm. um someone like june or rice um they had they came up with the design like almost entirely themselves and then like just actually helped me like I needed my help with like the technical like drawing of like the illustrations and stuff so right. sometimes it, you know every pro is different um like like i said with like nobu is pretty much like mm -hmm. i just want this match bottle and like we had to like suss out whether it was like it 
is that really all you want or is there something behind the match bottle that like you want is it the colors mm-hmm. is it bubbly is like what is it kind of thing um so a lot of the time my process is just kind of like so, sorting out like what is like the bare bones like message that we need to get across and then building on top of that yeah that that's super fascinating i know for me like i'm not a designer so even one of the, okay, so I've been, I've been teasing out whether or not I want to get a tattoo uh, mm-hmm. this year. I don't, I don't have any tattoos, but I think they're cool <laughs> and I kind of want one. Yeah. Uh, but my biggest barrier is I have all of these abstract concepts in my mind that are like just concepts that I want represented in whatever yeah. this tattoo is, but I don't know visually how I want it to come together or look or mm-hmm. even wear or anything like that. And I have this huge roadblock there. Yeah. Where it's like, I know what I want it to mean. I don't know mm-hmm. what it looks like. And, and exactly, I'm trying to yeah. cross that chasm somehow. And I don't know, like, what would be your recommendation to me in that process? Because I think maybe other players in the economic community probably have that yeah. process that they're trying to work through and design. It's like, if you have an idea, how do you start adding image to that? Yeah, um, for me, a lot, of, a lot of it's just drawing and brain, brainstorming. Like one of the things that I learned kind of early in design school, like an exercise is just like, um like word mapping so just like creating associations like a lot of the time like you know your first idea is not necessarily the best idea but it usually has some insight because your brain Mm. went immediately there and there's usually like a reason that it went immediately there um and so a lot of the time i try to like when i first think of a, a design um or like a concept i just start like just spewing the words that come to mind like onto the page And then like starting to associate, it's like, you know, this connects with this and this connects with that. Mm -hmm. Why, why am I like thinking about that connection and and everything? And, um, and also, honestly, it sounds silly, but just like really Google imaging, like the word that you're thinking of or the idea you're thinking of and like seeing what like comes up first, because a lot of the time it, it might either like show you what's like a contrived or like, you know, cliched idea but it also might show you about like oh there's like a connection to this idea which connects Mm -hmm. to that idea which you know like helps you like further down the path to like really sorting out like like what it looks like this concept in your head so that's often what i do yeah Yeah. that's super interesting or do you do do you do any other designs outside of kendama like do you do tattoo designs or anything like that for people have you ever done that (laughs) i've never done a tattoo design um Primarily because I I do a little bit of illustration, but my strong suit is definitely more like design and graphics and like right. illustration is not like I like doing it, but it's not my strong suit necessarily. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've done a ton of other like I I mean again like you know my my design background is pretty diverse, so I do mm-hmm. I love doing like lots of different things. Um, in design like even just like 3d design and exhibit design and interiors and stuff I love that kind of stuff but illustration is not totally my strong suit there are other people that are like mm. incredible at that yeah cool okay I, I want to ask a point of question if there's mm-hmm. one design that you've ever done with Tara that is your least favorite that you wish you could go back and redo which one is it oh, it could be website it could be Dama it could be anything but what is the Honestly, one that you wish you could redo and do it over again uh the very first thing that pops into my head and if alex were here he'd laugh at me it was the very very first logo for tara i always hated it and it's like it was one of those things where like it was one of those i don't know if you've ever seen it but if you go back and like watch the i think it's ke edit 
uh, like Nam Edmonton mini edit nine is when we first like put out any sort of like teaser that like Tara was coming. And that was an example of like your first idea being the idea that you run with where like I was just like in the <laughs> middle of a sketch. I was in the middle of a sketch and kind of showed Alex like halfway through and he's like, it's perfect. Let's run it. Let's go right now. And I'm like, no, I don't. I never want this to see the light of day. And it was the very first like one. And I, I always hated it. And Rod has always laughed at me and joked. He's like, I'm going to get it tattooed like on my palm just because I know you <laughs> And Rod, hate Rod it. would too, right? Rod like... would do it. Yeah, he would definitely do it. And he's like, and I'm going to add a Comic Sans Terra to the no. bottom. I'm like, oh, no. I had one of my profs in, in college. He's one of my favorite people in the world. I love him to bits. But he, yeah. he's written a book in... And it was completely influenced by his daughter. Like it has a great narrative mm -hmm. behind it, but he wrote one of his books and published it with Comic Sans font. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a professional business book, but he did it because his daughter <laughs> asked him to. And yeah. it was this whole like, his daughter wanted it to be different and to be fun and to read more yeah. like an approachable book. And he's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. And he published his book with Comic Sans. And I just like, I, <laughs> I was yeah. like, why? Day one in design school, they made us all go into our font books in our computer and delete Comic Sans. They're like, no. this is not allowed. Like Papyrus, I think as well. I was like, no, no, I do not want to see any of this. <laughs> if I ever go pro, I'm making yeah. a Kendama with Comic Sans font all the way around Rod, all of the rings. Right. Rod does it all the time in all of the edits that he's put out. And he, at this point, he, he has said it several times to me. He's like, I do it because I know you hate it so much. And I love it. I'm like, Rod and I just have that what you got against so Comic like, Sans come on <laughs> what, what is so bad about Comic Sans why is it every designer's least favorite font what is it um, what is it is it just because you all need to have collectively something to hate on is that what it is or or is there actually a reason there, yeah it's just um I think like if you really really got technical on it it's just not um like I'm 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 not like a typographer in like the best sense but um it's it's not like actually like laid out the way a lot of like fonts and typefaces are like there's no rhyme or reason to whether like you know the curve of the a matches the curve of the d and like you know that kind of stuff there's a lot of like technical knowledge that goes oh they that for I'm, sure just took it out of like a, a three-year-old's like coloring book yeah and just was like oh well, yeah. this, this is cool yeah, so I think on a technical level, it's like actually that like a lot of work goes into like typographies to be readable, legible, like, you know, either like uniform across the letters or, mm -hmm. or whatnot um, that Comic Sans doesn't do. Um, and then I think just also on like a grander scale, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's fun and it's childlike, but I think a, a lot of people just see it like a lot of designers also just see it. It's used like in lieu of better childish and like playful fonts like it's kind of like the default mm. it's like same thing with papyrus it's like it's like whenever you want like a script looking like font that looks like it's been written on literally a scroll you go for papyrus so i think mm -hmm. it's like i think it's just that it's become like a meme and it's overuse now that it's it's kind of become like the poster child of just like bad design <laughs> right right that makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. Um, is there something currently in on the Terra website or in the Terra design architecture of whatever you guys are doing? Yeah. Is there something that you look at now that you want to update and you're like, okay, this needs oh, to be worked man. on? What is one thing that you like as a designer are looking at and being like, I just want to fix that because it would make a big difference? 
Oh man. Oh, always. I, honestly, like everything, like I, like <laughs> I said, we're always our own worst critics, like yeah. everything, especially cause the other thing is that like design takes time and production takes time. Um, you know, like even before the pandemic, it took a good, like, you know, few months, six months, maybe even a year to like coordinate like a product release or like a production line, like, especially when you're working with pros and like, communications with other people where you need to get back from their ideas it takes a long time for like this stuff to come out and it's only been extended with the pandemic just slowing everything down so a lot of the time you know like what I have in my head or what I have like you know what we have in the works I often like think you know it's it's published in my view even though no one else has seen it so when I look at what's actually out there like in the world like what our webs like on our website on Instagram mm -hmm. like our products that are published I feel like it's lacking because I know what's coming and like I want to get that out into like the wider world yeah um even though like when people don't you know they don't know what I what we're working on right now so they don't see it so they take it at you know what we have out at face value so right. I think I think there's also just that disconnect that like all the stuff that we're working on, I'm so, you know, I always want to get it out there. Cause I want it. I'm like, I want people yeah. to see what we're working on right now. Um, uh, but the I lead time on those kind of projects. Time. Yeah. The lead yeah. time on those projects can take forever. And like, you just see the like comments rolling in slowly and they're like, no, I swear we're working on yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Right? So uh. yeah, that's, that's probably more something that's just like, it's always a constant progress of like, Oh, like, you know, the website doesn't have this yet, but it's like in my head, I need to like get it to that point. Yeah. So I wouldn't say there's any one specific thing, but just that process there, in general. Is there a brand out there outside of Kendama that you really look up to for website design or anything like that, that you draw a lot of inspiration from that's helped oh, you guide the, the Terra website? Yeah, honestly, I just, I look at a lot of websites. I don't know if I would say that there's any one particular one that I look at, but I, I just, I look at websites in general just for that. It's like, it could be anything. It could be like a coffee website. It could be like a pen website. It doesn't really mm -hmm. matter, but I, I will notice like, Oh, like this is really like clean looking, or I really like mm -hmm. this like detail of like image and text that they put together. And, mm -hmm. or I like the fact that like all of the images have, you know, this kind of lighting, like, you know, I, I look yeah. at that a lot. Um, like definitely no, like, I will say that there's a, a huge uh, disconnect between like North American or like Western websites and like Japanese websites for sure. And I've, we've talked to like people in Japan about this. That, like, I guess in, in Jap like in Japan, it's a culture of like, they want to put as much information on the exact same page as possible. Cause mm -hmm. that's, I guess how ja a lot of like Japanese people like to use those websites. Um, so like you look at a Japanese website and it's just like wall to wall text and like tiny, tiny little images. And, you know, in North America, we have such a trend of just like really clean, yeah. minimalistic, like just images, very little text. Like, and that's a recent shift different. too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it is also just like finding other sources and, and knowing like what market you're in. Like if we were to design a website in Japan, I probably like you know, I would probably design it differently or I would get like consulting, you know, with other people to, to design it differently than I would for like, you know, the North American market, for mm -hmm. example, just because we have those sorts of like, you know, disconnects in like trends. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I'm sure you're familiar with them. Some of my favorite websites in terms of design out there that I really look mm -hmm. up to as, as someone who's in the e-commerce and I don't do design, but I do a lot of other stuff within digital marketing that's kind of in the space. And I recognize the role design yeah. plays. Uh, I love uh, Wealth, Wealth Simple. They're a Canadian oh, financial yeah. company. Yeah. I don't know mm -hmm. if you're familiar with them, but they I, have... I haven't looked at any of their stuff, oh. but I, I definitely know who they are. Like I've you... seen... Alex has talked about them. Yeah, oh. I should go check them out. Well, First I'm off, phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal yes. brand. They're super cool. Mm -hmm. They're revolutionary. They're like the Robin Hood of Canada, but even yeah. better. They're like they're like yeah. doing what Robin Hood did, sort of. Their tools mm -hmm. maybe not quite to the same degree as what Robin Hood was doing, uh, yeah. but their branding and their ethos and their ethics and their culture are just so good. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's like in this moment in history, companies can change. If yeah. people are listening to this five years from now and something comes out, I'm not yeah. saying I'm always advocating. You always got to say that now. You're like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuff lives on. Uh, but well, simple. I really like mm -hmm. HubSpot. HubSpot is oh, a yeah, CRM yeah. Uh, brand yeah. out of the mm -hmm. States. I think they're out of Boston. And mm -hmm. they, they are the best at content marketing in the entire world. I think they have nice. nailed content marketing yeah. better than any other brand. And then mm -hmm. recently, I've become a really big fan of this supplement brand. And I'm not even really big into supplements, but I just bought that stuff from them because mm -hmm. their brand is so good and they have such a great mm -hmm. user experience. Uh, care of their... Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, like, I just yeah. saw... Yeah. The yeah, whole process yeah. from start to finish... And like, mm -hmm. I would like, as a little case study, let, let's talk about this for a second from a design perspective mm -hmm. and how this actually impacted my buyer's journey. And I think this is actually so helpful for someone who's like thinking about starting a brand, starting a business and like thinking about design. It actually plays mm -hmm. such an important role. And it did in my journey of picking care of. Now, first off, mm -hmm. I am not a supplement person. I'm actually like, if, <laughs> if like I, whoever is right. Yeah, um, yeah. But there's people that are like, no, I, I take supplements for this. I eat fish oil, vitamin D, whatever. I like mm -hmm. don't, none of it. None of it. I don't, I hardly even use, would ever use protein powder because I'm like, I can get all the things that I need from mother nature and, and like, <laughs> eating, eating, but I could just like change my diet and I'll be fine. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, more and more I'm like, okay, maybe I need to succumb to the fact that I live in Canada. We have a vitamin D deficiency up here. There's things we that I can definitely do. supplement. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Now, I had already followed along care of a little bit. I was influenced, first off, by influencer marketing. There was someone mm -hmm. that I know personally that had introduced me to it. So that was my first touch point in my buyer's journey. Secondly, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let me take a look at this. I'll go on their website, check it out. First off, their website invites you to take a quiz. They don't even invite you to buy their product right away. They're not even trying mm -hmm. to sell you something. They're actually just trying to educate you. And yeah. this was helpful for me because I am not an educated person when it comes to vitamins or supplements or anything like that. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I ain't putting no pills in my body. Uh, <laughs> I was always raised on the like, no, you just push through it. You grind through your, your hurts. Oh, and yeah. so you know, cla <laughs> classic Canadians, you know, you just, just grind. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'll take the quiz. And they ask you a couple, you know, nice questions. It's very user experience, like to the, to the max. It's so mm -hmm. well done. You come out to the end of it and they're like, based on what you've said, you're looking for help in. It's very about you. Yeah. We yeah. recommend uh, this. This will help you with this and you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. I picked these yeah. things because I went through the quiz and, and it pointed it to me and it's saying that mm -hmm. based on my answers to the things that I want help in, this is how they can yeah. help me. And at the end Definitely. of that funnel, I was like, I, got, I guess I got to buy it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if I don't, Perfect I'm not marketing. for me. I'm against right? me if I don't buy it. <laughs> so I did. But more than that. So then after that, okay, so mm -hmm. I order. It comes to my door. It comes in this beautiful box packaging. The box is great. 
the the products inside come really really yeah. nice and the matte coating on the outside of the the protein and the collagen and the the yeah. supplements super well designed but then they invite you to download the app they don't even try and get you to download the app before you get it before yeah. you get the box because they're not trying to overload you with front-loaded info you mm -hmm. get the box you download the app and now you're tracking your supplements and now you're in their referral program because you're collecting oh, carrots yeah. and it's like this oh, whole man. process it's so well executed yeah. i literally lost it i was like you guys are doing this so well <laughs> it yeah, was designed to that's yeah absolutely that's like really key and also like also partly like I think one of the other things is like making those sorts of interactions like genuine really matters because we're all hyper connected in this world right now. We all know that we're being sold to at every moment, even if like, you know, even if we forget, like forget about it in the moment, like we all like understand that. So I think like really like having genuine moments like mm -hmm. is so, I mean, like that's what, that's all that's left in this world is like making sure that those sorts of interactions are, are genuine. So I think that's a really important thing um, to remember. Yeah. Yeah. The more that we shift digital, the more that we have to recognize the human in the process. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. the more human yeah. we can make our digital process, the better it'll be. And I think Kendama mm -hmm. brands and design can learn from that too. It's like, okay, yeah. how do we begin learning to better be human in our processes? And mm -hmm. one of the things that Tara is doing really uniquely, and, and I wanted to ask you about this. I chatted with Alex a little bit about this when he was on, but mm -hmm. You guys are doing the custom Terra shop where you're yeah. allowing not only you to be the designer, but now mm -hmm. you're actually empowering the customer to take a role in design themselves. Yeah. And that's been yeah. one of the key pillars of Terra is controlling design in house. You guys make mm -hmm. all your damas in house. I, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious, like, what has that been like for you as a designer? And are you the one that's like, you know, trying to make the request of that person? Like, what does that journey go through? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a really that was, that was a challenge, like building the custom shop because I I really had to like uh, like get into the 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 process of like okay I know nothing about how to like turn a kendama and I need to just like step through each like word like each each step of the process um excuse me <clears throat> and um and like build my own kendama and like get get all the knowledge that I that I can out of it without being overwhelmed. And then also couple that with the technical like problem of like, how do I like code this into a website in a way that like, you know, isn't just going to like take me like months and months and months to do this. So like, you know, working with like the, again, like some kind of like restrictive mm -hmm. like constraints on design of like, how can we actually like lay this out on our website um, while also making it like, a, you know, a user-friendly experience that people will actually want to go through this and do this. Because mm -hmm. like, if it's too so complicated, people won't do people it. People just like, oh, I don't know. Like, and they would just walk away from it kind of thing. So that, that was a really unique challenge. And like, I mean, we're still working on it. We're still constantly having like conversations on how can we make it better? How can we improve it? Like, mm -hmm. you know, can we add more features without complicating it even further? And yeah, that that's like a constant ongoing mm -hmm. process. But yeah, it's something that we really pride ourselves on in at Terra. Like we really like we really like love to have a hands-on approach and um, you know, like, you know, really have like our say in every point of the process and like mm -hmm. and really like letting people know that like these are human beings behind this. Like we're not just some faceless like corporation. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's literally Alex and me, like Rod, like partly, and now Max. It's like we are, yeah. you know yeah yeah we are behind this and like we're just trying to make it work as we go kind of thing so mm -hmm. uh yeah that's you know that helps like you know view the idea that like 
you know, it's also human beings buying from us too. So, mm -hmm. you know, having that connection is, is important. Mm -hmm. Do you see the custom shop being the future of, of Tarek and Nama? Do you see that being the, like the core of what Tara is, is custom made Kenama? I see it. I see it being a really important, like, core, like it's foundational to like who, why we started like Tara or like, well, why Alex started Tara and why mm -hmm. like I kind of came on board is that we like Alex, just bought a lathe and tried to figure out how to make a kendama himself and like be a part mm -hmm. of that. So um, I, I mean, it's also hard to continue to run a business and make rent off of only hand turned kendamas as well. Yeah. So, you know, it can't be the only thing that we ever do. Um, and, and it, it shouldn't either. Like, you know, we want to like make a ton of different kendamas and we want, you know, people to be mm -hmm. able to enjoy our kendamas no matter how much they can afford as well as the other thing. But um I do mm -hmm. see it as being very foundational to like, this is like, you know, our identity at Tara and Alex like really still loves making kendamas himself. He loves doing that process. So I don't see it going away any, anytime soon. It's, it's really a part of like who Tara is. So. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the key pillars of what makes Tara different mm -hmm. than every other company out yeah. there, because there's so few brands out there that are able to hand turn kendamas and make custom mm -hmm. requests. There's a few in the States, there's like Evo kendamas, but uh, mm -hmm. and, and Evo isn't doing quite the same thing that you're doing because you have even yeah. taken that a step further in doing like resin-based kanamas and yeah. and starting to, to do a lot of other unique stuff there, or acrylic spikes and all this. And it's like, you're really mm -hmm. trying to innovate the capabilities of what can be created with a kanama. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I know. Even like our friend Sean has been really integral to that too. Like he's he's just been around and like he works in like the film industry. So he's got his own like whole other side. He's a carpenter as well by trade. Um, but he's been really innovative and stuff like he, um, he put together a kendama that was made almost entirely of just sheets of newspaper, just like glued together. And it was wow. like, not very durable, like the spikes started to like split on it, but like incredible, like innovation of just material and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he and Alex have like collabed on a ton of stuff, including Terraply. That's, that's their project. To the oh, other. interesting. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, like that's definitely been something we've tried to push for a long time. It's just like, what are like, what can a Kendama actually be? Like it, does it have to be made mm -hmm. out of wood? Does it have to be this type of wood? Like, you know, pushing those limits of just like our own creation is, has mm -hmm. been really amazing <laughs> it's been fun what has been one of the biggest challenges of running the business uh, of Terra, both like on a personal and business side like as business owners i know that that's a stressful thing uh when you're mm -hmm. when your income is dependent on how well yeah. you can run your business and it's yep. not just like a job that you're guaranteed hourly pay on it's like yep <laughs> how, how do you handle that on like um, the personal and business side for a long time, especially before, like, you know, say Rod or like Max came along, like weekends didn't really exist for us because it's kind of like rent is the same price no matter what, you know, and when you're self-employed, like, you got to make sure that you, like, you can you can eat and put food on the table mm -hmm. and have a place to live. And so, um, you know, and it's also your baby, like, you know, it's like, this is like your thing and you're trying to like have it grow mm -hmm. up. So um definitely like challenges with just like work-life balance for sure which uh we're, we've gotten a lot better at but like I think everyone struggles with that a little bit um mm -hmm. so that that was a huge challenge just like making sure that um just the logistics of like making sure that tarot can run doesn't like completely overwhelm all of the really fun amazing parts like you know yeah. getting to design kendamas and play kendama and like have events like you know, we need to do the other stuff to make sure the lights stay on, but like making sure that that doesn't overwhelm, mm -hmm. 
you know, the really fun and what really makes Kendama fun. So those, those are really tough challenges when you're self-employed um, yeah. or running your own business and, and then extra challenges when suddenly you have an employee and like now, now you're not only someone else is in, depending like, on yeah, you. You're not, you're not just invested in making sure you can eat, but like that, you know, the people who are working with you and for you can also eat and, and feel empowered, feel like they yeah. have a voice. Um, I think that's really important. Like, you know, they're not just like our lackeys to just be like, Oh, go do this, go do that. But that, they really have a say in shaping like, you know, the direction that we go in. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really important to, to ensure. Yeah. That, that's such a like mindset of entrepreneurship that is so hard to attain and, mm -hmm. it, and it's scary. It's risky to run a it, business. It is risky. It's hard. Yeah. Especially, especially when other people are depending on you. It's like, it's okay when it's just you. Like yeah. I, I wholesale Kanamas for, for soul Kanamas mm -hmm. and I, like mm -hmm. I bear all the risk in it. Uh, and yeah, and that's fine. But if I had someone mm -hmm. working for me, it's like, okay, I guess I got to pull my shorts up and, and get my, my yeah. button gear because it's like, okay, someone else is, you know, someone else's ability to live and eat food mm -hmm. and survive is in part dependent on me. It's like, yeah. that's a scary yeah. place to be. And that's kind of the like maturing stage of a business, right? When you start mm -hmm. hiring other people, it's like, this is a whole nother level of serious. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But you guys have also like taken it really in a different direction than a lot of other Kanama brands where you're manufacturing your own, you guys have a shop mm -hmm. that you pay rent for and all these things that are, mm -hmm. you know, big expenses as compared to- In a very expensive city. <laughs> in a very expensive city. And, yeah. you know, there are a whole other, you know, onset of expectations and stuff in the economic community for costs mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, some of that being like the, the price of a Kanama and you guys have so many of these other costs that go into it, but yet you do everything yeah. in house. You've held that integrity. You don't do everything. You obviously have some yeah. China made mm -hmm. uh, uh, products, but, but generally doing a lot of this in house, you have a lot of other costs that are there that are different than other brands that are just getting China made mm -hmm. products. And they're more the brand face of it. They're not doing any of the manufacturing It's a totally different operation that you guys are running. And I'm mm -hmm. just freaking proud of what you guys have done oh, as a you. Canadian. Like, <laughs> I, I'm just honored that you guys have been able to achieve that. You're at a place now where you're hiring people. You're running a business very successfully, whether or not it, at least from the outside, I've been yeah, so stoked yeah. to see the growth oh, of Terra this year in particular, you know, personally, I'm mm -hmm. just stoked. Like a, yeah. as someone who loves business, B, as someone who's just proud of Canada. C, as someone who just like loves Tarek and Dom and what you guys are doing. I'm just stoked. And, and <laughs> I just you. want to kind of like give you guys a collective like, hey, keep going. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's hard work. It's, I don't know, it might look easy from the outside, but there's a lot of work that goes on behind <laughs> the scenes. It is not thank easy. You. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I want to just ask like two more questions. We'll wrap it mm -hmm. up. You got to get to pitch and putt and go kick my boy Max's butt in it. <laughs> Because uh, I know that he, he needs... I think Alex needs... is more likely to kick himself than <laughs> I am. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, question here from Lem and Lime. Are there any unique design trends or styles that you've noticed to be specific in the Kanama community? Anything that you see evolving going forward? Hmm. I, don't, hmm, I don't know. Like, specifically, like, Kanama designs or... Uh... I honest, I'm I'm just really excited at the fact that like Kendama designs are getting so much more complex, I guess. Um, it used to literally just be stripes, like that's it. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, you got two stripes on this one. Like, whoa, like that's crazy. <laughs> the day it went you know? from solids to stripes yeah. was a big day for Kendama. A big day or like a half split, <laughs> big day. Um, but now just like, um, 
I like, you know, and like it went from like that to then like flat pattern designs, like which I, I honestly love. I love like really flat restrictive color designs because it really like forces you to like abstract ideas and like, you know, under again, like accentuate the really fundamental aspects of like an illustration or a design rather than just like hyper realism. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I would say that like on the whole, Kendama has like design has been very like young, playful, fun. Um, you know, all these things are, are great, but I, I really do like the fact that a lot of like the Kendama, Kendama design, like lately has been maturing a little bit. Like for the longest time, it was like, we honestly considered it like suicide to put out like a gray Kendama. Like, you know, like I wanted to do that for so long and Alex was like, mm -hmm. absolutely not. We cannot do that. No one, like everyone buys like red, green, blue. Like that's what they mm -hmm. buy. Um, and so to see like Kendama designs like Jake's, like Jake Ween's yeah. pro model and some of the Chrome stuff that like, it's literally like black and like, you know, beige and neutral like color tones and stuff like I stuff love that those like, colors I love them because it's it's stuff that I like you know I've really wanted to do for a long time but we just never felt like you know it would it would be popular enough to actually warrant doing it's like oh no it's like no one will buy it and you know mm -hmm. when you're running a small business like that's almost suicide to put out like yeah. a product that no one buys um and so I think that's a that's a trend that I'm like really seeing in the Kendama community. I don't know if it's unique to the Kendama community, but I think it's a good one for sure to just see that there's now space to have both the really, really bright, vibrant, colorful, fun, mm -hmm. you know, childlike Kendama's like designs and also the really like mature, like refined, understated mm -hmm. design Kendamas. I, I'm really happy to start seeing that there's room for that now yeah yeah hey i i've loved the evolving you know i like seeing the thematic kendamas the ones that mm -hmm. have like a theme and they're not just like hey here's a new colorway we came up with it's red yeah or blue yeah. but when you know like even uh this was nativ's kendama that they just came out with mm -hmm. uh the espresso and it, obviously like yeah. I'm, I'm a coffee nerd i was like yeah, instant i need this right uh, yeah, and, yeah. and i love that they they took something that's real and then and then adapted it into a Kendama and mm -hmm. they did that well. And they more than that created a whole brand package with it by having the espresso yeah. and the macchiato and a, and a mug. And I was like, okay, that's really very great cool. marketing, great branding. Yeah, very cool. Sweets Kendamas does it now, uh, especially with their V series. And they, mm -hmm. they take themes from real life and then abstract them into Kendamas. Uh, you know, yeah. I love when that is like the mentality is like when you bring Definitely. something that is like, yeah, you know, something that people see in real life and then are able to mm -hmm. adapt it into something. And one of the, one of the domas that I think design wise was one of the coolest things Tara ever came up with were the battle scar kendamas because it was, oh, yeah. it was something that yeah. had a narrative to it. It was like a, mm -hmm. it was a doma that had a deeper meaning than just like having a colorway. It was like, Definitely. no, the more yeah. you play this, the more it's scarred and you will see that. That was Alex's that. idea. He loves that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's a really cool idea. Yeah. And, and totally. And it comes all down to the design piece. Uh, mm -hmm. One quick question here from Spiffy mm -hmm. Toys. And then we'll ask one last question from Takana, one of our friends from Ecuador, uh, yeah. that is a regular listener of the show. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here. And I have yeah. been so grateful for this conversation. I love mm -hmm. nerding out on design. I think this is so helpful for some of the entrepreneurs in the community that are trying mm -hmm. to understand like, how do I make something that people will appreciate and gaining yeah. some of the tools and to be able to do that. Cool.
Sorry, I'm yeah. low on battery. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, that's but, okay. Uh, Spiffy uh, Selvia, she's a Canadian distributor. Mm-hmm. She does a lot of design work herself. She hand burns uh, Kanamas and then sells Yeah, them. we got one from her. That was incredible. Yeah, so she's amazing. <laughs> she's fantastic. Love her a lot. Uh, she wants to know, are we going to see jumbo pills again? A quick little terror oh, question. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. We've been working on that for sure. We're, we're trying. Um, we don't have any sort of, like plans immediately right on the horizon, but we're definitely talking about it. So yeah, ch- check back with us in a, in a bit, but yeah, we're, we're definitely like on, on trying to get them back for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, well, before I actually ask this Dakota question, uh, I know that mm-hmm. there was a post put on the terror feed just recently you know, mm-hmm. uh, teasing the date of 2805. So coming up in, yeah. in five days, something's coming yeah. out. Are, are you able to give yes. us any, any hints or details? Uh, all I can say is it's just, it's a project we've been working on for a long time, which again, with just like this world, like of the pandemic has really like slowed down stuff, but like it's here and we're excited to, to have it come out and have you see it all. So that's all I can give you, but we are, it is, it is exciting. It's something that we've okay. wanted to put up for a long time. So stay tuned for that. I, I am very excited. I've been mm-hmm. very impressed with everything you guys have been doing this year. One of the things in particular that I'm really stoked about, I put in a custom order myself for something yeah. from Tara oh, recently. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm waiting for that to come through. And it's, uh, it's kind of a, a, a secret. Well, is that it right there? Yeah, I've got it right here for you. It's already done. Yeah. Oh yeah, my we gosh. finished it. We finished it like uh, I think Alex finished it yesterday, and he was like, "Oh, I could I could ship it out, or I could like keep it so you can show it." And oh, that's so cool! Yeah. Oh. Okay, so for <laughs> those that don't know what that is, can you can you tell the the world? That's oh, so, man, I didn't know yeah. it was done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a mini pill. It's a, like walnut, um, but the spike is some kind of like acrylic like I, I actually don't know Alex Alex can tell me what it's filled with but it's coffee beans like yeah. literal coffee beans like cast in some kind of like acrylic or resin and it smells like coffee it's it's crazy because it's literal beans so, yeah. I'm yeah. so excited for probably that. I, not the most durable but like really incredible oh, yeah. looking so I'm probably yeah, not gonna play go. it all that much but it's definitely going up behind yeah. me in the review set for sure yeah. Uh, because that is so cool when Al- I think Alex sent me a photo he's like yo look what I got in the yeah. shop I was like Alex say no more what can I get made with that he's like well I don't know if it's going to be that durable and I was like what what can we do I don't yeah. even know if I'm going to play with it that much but nonetheless I was like I need that and it, oh, yeah, so there you so- go just <gasps> finished like yesterday <laughs> that's so cool yeah yeah man oh that yeah, was a nice surprise yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, uh, last question, and we'll, we'll yeah. put a bow on this here. Takana.Kanama underscore EC, Ecuadorian player and community leader. How do you motivate more girls to be a part of the community? What, what is a strategy that people can take? And I actually want to know this too, because here's, here's mm-hmm. the thing. We have this Calgary com- community, so I'll, I'll re- rephrase this even yeah. for myself. We have the Calgary community that's starting to grow, and we have a 100% male-dominated community right now. And you know, part of it is just like, that's just what we've been dealt. That's the, the hand that we've been mm-hmm. given here. Yeah. And yeah. I think it is hard for me to know, like, and be invitational to women. And, and the fact yeah. that, like, it's like, okay, if there aren't any other women for them to come and join and be there, it's like, I'm worried that they won't have a great experience. And I don't want to invite someone into an experience that they may not feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you kind of want there to be some sort of an adoption first before you can start inviting other people in. What, what yeah. do I do? How do you... <laughs> How can I learn? Oh, man, I, 
that's it's it's a tough question like really for the longest time like what I just always saw for me because I you know I am a woman like was just being like yeah and I've talked to Haley about this a lot is like just us being there was like a statement it's like okay by us being there you know more women will come like we you know we are going to create the space for women to be there um and I think part of it is also just like um, just, you know, talking to women, like, I, I know I've definitely been guilty of this before when Haley and I have said, like, you know, been at competitions and said, are you going to compete? And I'm like, mm, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't really want to be up on stage. I don't really want to take the space. And she's like, you should compete. You should do it kind of thing. And it's, you know, not, not in like a peer pressure way, but in a like, you know, you are capable of doing it. Like, so like, you know, show the world that you're capable mm -hmm. of doing it. Um, so I think like creating, like, for me, it was about like, you know, creating space, like by just, you know, having one woman there to say like, hey, where are the rest of the women? Come on, come, come on out. We are here. Um, like, we want more of us to be seen. Um, and also, again, this is another thing where like, I kind of like, I, I didn't really think this way until, you know, other women in the community kind of showed me that like, you know, this is also important is also like, literally, it sounds obvious, but literally putting it on like, the, on posters or putting it in the space of like women are welcome come on out please come join us like you know if you got like if you have like if all the guys that are in that scene like if they have girlfriends get them to bring them you know like get get women out in that space and give them like show them that they're capable like I've, I've seen so many at so many like booths and like we've done a ton of like you know public like um events and festivals and stuff where we'd have a booth and like um so often it's like you know a, a, like a guy and girl like you know a, like girlfriend boyfriend are walking past and they go oh what is this kendama thing and we're like try it out here here's a kendama the guy instantly picks it up and is like yeah i'll do it i'll try oh blah blah and the, yeah. and the woman says no i'm bad at that and huh. you say have you ever tried it before no no but i know i'm bad at it um mm. And I've always hated to hear that because I'm like, no, yeah. you don't even know. You got to give it the space. Yeah. So oh. I think just like, you know, getting, just saying like, just come on out, like bring your girlfriend, bring your sister, bring people along and like yeah. giving them the encouragement that this is, this is a space that it's okay to make a mistake. It's, you don't have to be perfect the first time you try it. Um, and just saying that like, you know, you, you we want you here. So yeah. I, I think just being like, vocal and proactive about it um and for the women that do come out encouraging them like bring your friends like you know so i i think that's like speaking directly to that to us to to women to them is is important as well yeah. in ways that i didn't particularly think before i didn't think that for a long time but i i think it is important yeah and i think kendama's <laughs> learning like we're getting better at being yeah. more accepting obviously we've had struggles and obviously these are things that have been discussed recently in the kendama community about how mm -hmm. we can be more engaging and and yeah. more respectful and inviting to you know non-identifying players people that mm -hmm. come from all backgrounds anyone yeah, to, to make kendama a very inclusive and welcoming space and, mm -hmm. and i think it's always you know a posture that i want to take of like how can i learn uh mm -hmm. to be a more inviting person because i i recognize that like maybe maybe I'm intimidating to some people and I can actually be someone that pushes away people because I've been in it for so long that mm -hmm. maybe I'm not the best person to invite someone who's a new player into the community at all times because I've been playing for six years. Someone mm -hmm. sees me and if I'm just chilling, I'm like doing whatever tricks on the side that seem way out of reach to someone. It's like, maybe I'm not actually the best person to invite someone new in and 
because mm -hmm. I, I can be, come across as overwhelming or, oh, I'm that guy who runs the podcast, he, blah, 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 or whatever. It's like, there's all these barriers there. I'm like, okay, maybe, how, how can I learn? How can I be better mm -hmm. at being more welcoming yeah. and inviting to new players? And I think everybody needs to take that posture. And I think you gave some really good advice there and wisdom. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, just be welcoming, be inviting and be willing to take the risk to be humble. Yeah. Yeah. Like allowing people to, I think a lot of people <clears throat> are intimidated because they just see, they just see people like, you know, at least for me as well, I knew as a woman, like, you know, I was, into, I was like, Oh, all the guys are so much better than I am. Like, Oh, I don't know if I want to like really do like, cause you know, like I'll, we're all kind of like at our core, like afraid of making mistakes and, and yeah. just like, you know, well, it's embarrassing right? shown to be vulnerable. Um, and so I think part of it is also just saying like, it's so, you know, this is a space where we can be vulnerable. This is a space where we can make a mistake. We don't have to be perfect at this. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that's, that really came from, from like viewing so many of those festivals where women are like, I've never tried this, but I know I'm bad at it already. And I'm just not yeah. even going to try. It's like, that hurts you know, to hear that. Like, even for yeah. me, I'm like, I yeah. hate that someone would be so defeated yeah. before they've even tried something to think that they can't yeah. do it. Exactly. Right. So I think me. that's really key to it as well as like, you know, having people that like, you know, like me, like being a woman in that situation to be like, I'm no, I know you can do this. I know you can do this. And like, you know, I'm, I'm visually like representing to you that I know you can do this kind of thing, you know, having that, like, you know, having someone who is like you to mirror back to and say, no, they're, they're here. I yeah. can be here too, kind of thing. So it, it is a bit, again, it's like, it's a wheel in motion. It's like, yeah. you know, the more momentum you get, the the easier it gets. But it's just making, getting that first step of like getting someone in the community yeah. to to be the, the vocal, like, you know, visual that like we can be here and we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and us as players, we have a, an opportunity in those moments too, where we can kind of step up to the plate or we can, we can kind of mm -hmm. passively just like let it slide. Right. Like when, when someone yeah. comes up to me and they're like, oh, I'm no good. I, I, I don't think I can do it. And, and they shy away from it. We have mm -hmm. an option right there as yep. players yep, to either choose yeah. to engage in that conversation or be like, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. You don't have to try. And, yeah. and I think sometimes we think that the easy way out is to do that second thing and say like, oh, mm -hmm. no, we don't want to come across as like we're pressuring or peer pressuring or that's, anything like that's that. That's the thing. It's, it's a fine line. You don't want to like peer pressure people, yeah. but you want to give them the space to say, no, I can do this. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think if we, if we were to say like nine, maybe, maybe not in all cases, we, we probably will make this mistake. But I think more often than not, if we were to take the moment and say, actually, no, seriously, just, just try here. I, mm -hmm. I, would, you, would you be okay if I taught you how to do the big cup? I'd love to teach yeah. you or whatever it is. Yeah. And, invite them into that process humble yourself to go into that conversation be willing to mm -hmm. be a fool be will be willing to be embarrassed personally uh, yeah. and and be a teacher and i think if we yeah. all took that posture just a little bit more seriously we would mm -hmm. see such a beautiful growth in this community yeah. of new players yeah, that we never would have expected yeah i agree yeah but definitely with all that said hey we have been going <laughs> for a little while here yeah. You need to get to pitch and putt. And I, I am just grateful <laughs> that you have taken the time to be on here and share a bit of your story. Uh, invite us into the journey of someone who has done a lot of behind the scenes work in Kanama in really building what Terra Kanama is today. Terra would not be what it is. Let's be honest, with Smith time, Terra Kanama <laughs> would not be what it is today if not for Kristen Olenek in the background doing what she does, uh, keeping everything coordinated, running, and keeping my boy Kanama Max Angel employed. Let's be real. <laughs> you would not be where you are yeah. with Tarek and Nama if you weren't playing a significant role there. I think you have an incredible you. influence in this space. Uh, thank you for all that thank you've you. done. 
Uh, thank you for coming on here and being willing to mm -hmm. share some of your story. And we are very grateful and appreciative. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's a bit. It was a bit intimidating, I will admit, to jump right back into like live Instagram like after nothing. But I am extremely glad I did it, and thank you for having me. Okay, an absolute privilege. Thank you to everybody who tuned in today. Uh, as always, uh, we like to wrap up our our episodes by asking the the, the person who's being interviewed, mm -hmm. you know, if there was a piece of wisdom that you would like to impart into the Kanama community, a few final words oh. that you'd like to say. What what would those be? Um, know that your you and your voice have influence, no matter how much you you might think that you don't. Um, you might think that nobody knows about you or whatever. But uh, in whatever small chunk of community that you can actually control, you have influence and your voice and your presence matter. So, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Amen. I, I wrote a quote down from and I don't even remember who quoted it, but I remember reading it in a book, like a year, a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this when we were going into this interview. Uh, it was a leader is anyone who inspires someone to follow. You are a leader, yeah. no matter what size oh, of following you have. Yeah. If, if you, yeah. you have the empower, mm -hmm. the empowered ability to inspire someone to, to follow. Yes. So absolutely. Take it. Love what you've said here, Kristen today. Thank you so much uh, for yeah, jumping on thank here. You. And mm -hmm. thank you to you guys who have tuned in here today. Remember, next week is the one-year anniversary of the Brewview podcast. Uh, we are doing something special. If you are a Patreon member, you are going to get early access to that episode in a video format. This is not a live recording. That will be coming out just on the Patreon a week ahead of time, and then will be released to the public a week later. So if you want access to that conversation of an interview of me, uh, make sure you sign up for the Brewview Patreon, the Cafe Canova Patreon for $5 a month and get all the behind the scenes access. I've spieled that a lot. So uh, you guys already know the deal. <laughs> Anyways, thank you again so much, Kristen, and go enjoy yeah. Pitch and Putt. And thank you to you guys who have tuned in today. Yeah. Thank you. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Preview. I'm always super excited about every guest that we get to have on here, and I hope you learned something new about Kendama or the people behind the tricks. As always, please let me know your feedback or suggestions of guests that we should have on the episodes, and stay caffeinated.